Welcome, you fucking mocks, to the sixth episode of the Effin' Marks podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. And we are the Effin' Marks. Alright, so uh, starting off this week with uh, some sad news in the wrestling world. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer Mr. Fuji passed away today. Very, very sad news. Um, we found out just moments before we decided to record the podcast that Mr. Fuji had passed away. And from for me at my age, I didn't really know Mr. Fuji as a wrestler in ring because he wrestled a little bit before my time as a wrestling fan. But I do remember Mr. Fuji, the manager. He managed some uh, very interesting characters over the years. He managed the Orient Express and most notably Yokozuna. Uh, for me, uh, Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna are forever linked, but my favorite was uh, he and Demolition. They came together and parted ways a few different times, had a very notable uh, double uh, double turn with uh, Powers of Pain and Demolition during a Survivor Series back in the day. But yeah, Mr. Fuji was... Uh, one of my favorites as far as a, a, a manager uh, is Gorilla Monsoon used to say, the devious one. Uh, one of my favorite moments with Mr. Fuji, it was during uh, one of the WrestleManias at Atlantic City. I want to say it was probably five, uh, but they had Mr. Fuji, uh, quote-unquote, run a 5K, but uh, I think they ended up finding out later on that he ended up like driving a car around so he could... Uh, finished the 5K a little early, and uh, but yeah, Mr. Fuji ran the 5K in like 20 something minutes, and it's like he doesn't look like he's in that good of shape. But uh, yeah, but that was like one of those like little silly things that WWE did back in the day. Didn't he also manage the Warlord and the Barbarian? Well, yeah, yeah. What the the powers of pain? And that's like, what they were called. I, I apologize. Yeah, they were. Uh, they did that double, famous double switch at the Survivor Series where uh, Mr. Fuji ended up pulling down the ropes and causing Demolition to get eliminated from that match. And then uh, later on, uh, after they were eliminated, Mr. Fuji ended up uh, hitting the guys from Demolition with his cane in the back. And then when Demolition went to beat up Mr. Fuji, not beat up John Cena, beat up Mr. Fuji, uh, Powers... Powers of Pain came to his aid. Powers of Pain started off his faces in the match. By the end of it, they were aligned with Mr. Fuji and were competing for the tag team championships against Demolition. I think for me, the uh, the one moment that really s- signifies Mr. Fuji as a manager was, I believe, WrestleMania 9 in the main event, where it was Bret the Hitman Hart versus Yokozuna for the WWE Championship. And Mr. Fuji threw the salt in Bret Hart's face, which ultimately cost Bret Hart the championship. Obviously, afterwards... And then moments later, he threw... Well, the salt came back to haunt Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. Yes, where Mr. Hulk Hogan, the GOAT himself, came out. And with Bret Hart's blessing, he he went after Yokozuna and won the WWE championship. Because at that time, he was what John Cena is now. But, like you said, very sad news. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Fuji. Uh, you're definitely one of those individuals from the WWE 
slash WWF that will forever live immortality with the wrestling fans. Very sad to hear of his passing. And unfortunately, going from that sad news to other sad news, uh, the Dudleys have retired now from active competition in WWE, which, I mean, kind of explains kind of the them kind of doing the honors at SummerSlam, although they did the honors to a team that's not really a tag team, but... The very talented Sami Zayn and his tag team partner, the Keebler Elf. Well, I mean, you know what? Elves have feelings, and you should respect them. You know, those Keebler Elves work hard making cookies for us. We have those cookies in this house. Yes, I, I am well aware of that. I was the one who picked out the cookies, so... But uh, I know that was an homage to Neville, but... Uh, to be a little bit more serious on the uh, the topic of the Dudleys, and I know, you know, I know how you feel about the Dudleys. You respect them as a tag team for all the accomplishments I, they've done. I think they're probably top five all time and, for me. And for me, you know, I I've been hooting and hollering for a very long time that the Dudley Boys are, if they're not the greatest tag team, they're definitely my favorite tag team. So to see the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon call it a career in WWE this past Monday was it really did hit very close to home for me just because of the fact that I feel the way I feel about the Dudleys uh, I was a fan of the Dudleys back when they were in ECW when Bubba Ray couldn't even make a sentence without sounding like Connecticut Governor Dan Malloy duh, 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 duh. you know he had to stutter and everything and then brother Devon came around when they had the whole Dudley family and then they, you know, they came in and they attacked, uh, oh God, I can't even think of it right now. I blame it on the alcohol. But they came out, they made an appearance in the WWE, catapulting it where they really just made themselves, they put themselves in the top of the, of the food chain of the tag team division when they had those incredible, incredible ladder matches, which then turned into TLC matches with... Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. No, did it start out as, uh, didn't the Dudleys do table matches and the the Hardys and Christian and Edge were known for ladder matches and then that's kind of how it all kind of... Yes, uh, the Dudley Boys did a lot of tables matches in ECW. That was kind of like their calling card in ECW. Lighting the table on fire and, and then putting know, people through them. Right, Yeah. and you know, obviously Edge is one of the greatest ladder match performers of all time. Jeff Hardy right there with him. And they kind of just... Hardy. And Christian. And, you know, I, I really... You know, they had their, their ladder match at WrestleMania 2000. Was an excellent match. They had the first ever TLC match at the SummerSlam of 2000. Which was an excellent match. And then it culminated with them having kind of like the third leg of their their rivalry with the three, t- you know, the three tag teams being a part of it at WrestleMania 17 to this day, the match between the Dudley boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy and Edge and Christian is by far my favorite match in WrestleMania history. I've watched that match more than any other match in the history of the WWE and the slash WWF. And that's including Hulk Hogan fighting the giant at three. 
I was a huge fan of the Dudley Boys. I was extremely happy to see them win the tag team titles. They've won the tag team titles, what, like 20 times or 22 uh, times? Well, um, WWE-wise, they've nine. won those nine. Uh, you know, when they came back, I was hoping they gave them that one at least token run when they came back to get them to 10. They didn't do that. Uh, I think overall, though, they've got 23 title reigns between uh, TNA, ECW, and uh, WWE. I know they won the IWGP uh, Tag Team Championships right. a couple times. I don't know if they count that as part of the reigns. but uh, So, you know, they've been around the block. They've seen and done everything. There's nothing more they could really do. I mean, I think they came back to kind of finish their career where – I mean, obviously they made their name originally in ECW, but as far as being a mainstream, like, superstar, it they, was WWE. They the, established themselves in the WWE. So they wanted to end it where it started. Uh, you know, not my favorite team of all time, but I, I love them. I love their personas. I love their matches. I was actually shocked when they were doing their speech that they actually brought up the Hardys because the Hardys are in TNA and are obviously still very prominent in TNA. But, you Bro know... Broken Matt and Broken Jeff. Broken Matt and Broken Jeff, who are probably the most entertaining thing on TNA right now. But that's, that's for another time. I, I would just like to bring it up that, you know, with Bubba Ray being my spirit animal, I kind of uh, made my, my, my personal look with the, you know, the short buzz cut in the goatee where I, I've actually kind of grown out the beard now kind of like he did the glasses although I don't have the tape on it I've kind of like made my look kind of like Bubba Ray not to that like you guys should be freaked out that I actually would you know base my image on the like you're not of wearing the the camo the camo they wear well if I wore the camo that I wear nobody would ever see me thanks John Cena but I, I would just like to put it out there that when I found out that Bubba Ray and Devon were going to be retiring from the WWE, I only cried for about 20 minutes. You, and you had several moments of silence. I had very, very, very many moments of silence. I wore black the entire week. Uh, it's it really it really did hit close to home. I really, to be honest, last year when they came out exactly one year ago in Brooklyn on Monday Night Raw to interrupt the New Day. And that was probably one of those very few markout moments where I'm like, holy shit, it's the Dudley Boys. And I was excited. I ran around the house like an idiot. I was very happy to see the Dudley Boys. So the fact that they're retiring from the WWE is just, it's its kind of disheartening for me. I feel like I've lost two of my own family members to retirement. Uh, I do wish them well in their future endeavors. I, And I think that down the road, we're going to see Bubba Ray and Devon. In the Hall of Fame, without question, they're just a very decorated first ballot. Oh, first ballot Hall of Famers, very decorated tag team. They kind of revolutionized the tag team division back in the late '90s and early 2000s. Um, that's really I, all I can say about the Dudleys without getting emotional. I, I think you got emotional, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. You know what, I'm happy for them going out on their own terms because you heard a couple of weeks ago that they had kind of agreed to terms with WWE right. to sign again. Obviously, 
they made a decision that, you know what, we agreed to these terms, we'll wrestle again, but they, I think, kind of made the overall decision, like, you know what, do we want to be on the road again for another year? You know what, let's end it right now. No, no need to keep going out there and they've done plenty of jobs in the last year they don't need to keep doing them my only my only issue that i had with the way that they went out losing at SummerSlam, i get the fact that at that point when they made this last run in the wwe it was about establishing the newer guys in the tag team division my only problem was is that their last match in the wwe was against the team of Sami Zayn and neville i i i think that if they had went up against Enzo and Big Cass put them over, or if they went up against the New Day one last time and put them over one last time, or even Anderson and Gallows. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the last people they actually put over was they were Anderson and Gallows. Oh yeah, I, it, that's I agree with that. I just because that's what happened on Monday night because everybody wanted to see them put somebody through the table one more time. But you know, if you're doing the honors as you're going out, you you take quote unquote lose and you take one for the team. They didn't win. They didn't put somebody through a table. Anderson and Gallows put them through a table, so they kind of put them over. Let me ask you a question. The night of the Hall of Fame when the Dudleys get inducted, do you think they're going to put somebody through a table? Uh, They should. Um, I think if, uh, if I were Bobby the Brainless and I wanted to see them put somebody through a table. Oh, they could definitely put me through a table. No questions asked. No, it's not you. Uh, I think uh, Broken Matt Hardy would be a a tremendous person to put through said table. I I think that's an absolutely awesome choice, but that would require us seeing Matt Hardy in the WWE once again, and believe me. He's coming back. I don't know. He's coming back. No. No, He's gonna do. No. He and his brother will delete themselves from TNA and come back to the WWE. I don't know. I mean, the way that he's talking about McMahon and his cryptic tweets about the Eva McMean or whatever the hell he says in his in his horrible British accent that doesn't even make any sense for a. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. for a douchebag from North Carolina. Hey, hey, listen to the Jericho podcast where he talks Meek with broken uh, Matt Hardy. You'll get it more. You'll get it. You're trying to make it seem like I don't even listen to the Jericho podcast. You haven't listened to it. Chris Jericho doesn't know that. But I do. But it's not about whether you know or not. It's about if Chris Jericho knows about it. And as far as Chris Jericho knows, I listen to the podcast. He doesn't know who we are. Yes, he does. He knows damn well who I am. I'm the guy who tweets at him like six or seven times a week. Just because I want him to respond to me. Because why? Because you're a, a stupid idiot. That, and I'm a fucking mock. Right. Uh, all right, so moving on from Dudley's, you know. Thank you, Bubba Ray and Devon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to SummerSlam, which uh, SummerSlam in, was Man. super long yeah. and had a, a few pre-show matches and had... I think overall 12 matches on the card, which that's a lot of stuff to cram in. And Considering it wasn't WrestleMania? Well, I mean, last year they did the thing where SummerSlam it was you know the same length as WrestleMania. They're trying to uh, 
raise the level of importance of SummerSlam to really make it feel like it is like the summer version of WrestleMania. Uh, you know, overall, I have to say the show sucked. Uh, there were several good things, some good ideas, but just the execution sucked balls. Wow, there's no sugarcoating it for you, is there, Jay? No. Uh, I mean, uh, there were several things about the show where, you know, it just didn't jive with me, like, what the hell was going on. Um, you know, like, uh, you... I have to take my hat off, my imaginary hat off, to Bobby the Brainless, who is uh, much better at predicting the show than I was. I just want you to know that after my predictions were above 80% for the entire pay-per-view, that I was getting phone calls to actually write for the WWE, and I said, nah, I'd rather talk shit about it than write for it. So, you know, started off, though, pre-show, they had the uh, 12-person tag team match, uh... And honestly, I mean, it seemed like going in that this was going to be something to showcase the the American Alpha. And what they did was was actually, I, excuse me, what I think was a good thing to build for a future storyline, which they kind of teased that the Usos are going to be heels. You know, you've seen little changes with the Usos lately. You know, they're not doing their entrance where they do like their, I don't know if it's a warrior chant or what have you, but they've stopped doing that and little things like that. Their uh, clothing's gotten a little darker, but when they kind of use kind of underhand tactics, underhanded tactics to kind of get the Get the win. Ooh! So, crazy. Yeah, I I agree. I really thought there was going to be a little bit different of an outcome to the uh, the 12-man tag match that occurred with the three tag teams going up against the three tag teams. I mean, we both had the right right side winning, but how it transpired is where it uh, changed. And I thought, I think for, for good, for the good. I I really thought that they were going to do something with Zack Ryder just because I just like Zack Ryder as an individual and everything he's gone through. It would have been nice for him to, to go over like that at SummerSlam considering when we talk about what happened on SmackDown a little bit later with you know the, the future of SmackDown in the coming weeks and everything. I would have liked to have seen Zack Ryder go over. I get why they put the, the Usos over. It would have made more sense for them to put over American Alpha or set up for, like, an Usos versus American Alpha rivalry. Well, I I think they're kind of laying the groundwork for that. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the tag team division on SmackDown. I think it's in better shape than a lot of people give it credit for. I know that some of the better tag teams are actually on Monday Night Raw, but the fact that they were able to showcase the six tag teams that they had, hint, hint, wink, wink, on SmackDown, in the pre-show 12-man tag match is was good. I, I really think that it gives, you know, American Alpha and Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder a chance to really, like, make a name for themselves, to get them exposure. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, is the reason that they did this brand split was so that they can give exposure to more people, whereas if, you know, there's 
one roster covering two shows, it's like, great, we get about 45 minutes to an hour of John Cena every week out of the five hours of crap that we get. Well, the thing is, uh, what you're saying, uh, to an extent, I agree with. Exposure is the thing. The teams that are on Raw are the ones that are more exposed, people are more familiar with. I don't think necessarily that the teams on SmackDown are bad. They're just not as exposed to the people, whether it, well, I mean, the Ascension needs some work. I mean, like they were terrible. They were the longest running NXT tag team champions, but, you know, we've got much better champions now in NXT with the tag titles, but uh, that goes without saying. But, you know, like Brizongo, I think, is a better team than they've been presented as, like, on TV. Oh, I absolutely agree with you on them. They seem like they come off as jobbers, but we we both know that they actually are better wrestlers than, you know, being on the bottom end of the card. They're both good in the ring, uh, despite despite the fact that, you know, Jericho kind of wasted, uh, you know, giving the rub to Fondango a few years ago at WrestleMania. No, 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 no. It's fun. Don go. You know, he Fondango is, you know, entertaining. He's pretty good in the ring, but he and Tyler Breeze, I think, you know what? They're kind of made for each other. I, I think they're perfectly annoying in their role, and that's what they're supposed to be. And they're a fantastic uh, combination in the tag team division. I like the fact that they don't have a lot of experience together. And they're just kind of like winging it, and they're just going week they're by week build. to see. Oh yeah, they're definitely going to build. It takes time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, I I mean, not that it's the same, but I remember a few years ago when they put Cesaro uh, with Tyson Kidd, and you know, it seemed like it was a makeshift tag team. But you know what? They developed chemistry pretty quickly, and they were awesome together. It sucks that Tyson Kidd got hurt, but you know, they ended up building something really cool pretty quickly, I think uh, Brizongo could be that. And that that's one of the things that I'm holding out hope for for this uh, SmackDown brand and their tag team division. I think there are talented people that, you know, you give them a little bit of line, I think they're going to be good. So, you know, you take a more established team like the Usos, and, you know, I think they're going to turn heel. And I think at the end of what will be the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament, which we'll get into a little bit more later, I, I think it's going to end up being the Usos in American Alpha in the finals. And we'll see who wins from there. Another uh, example, I like I like the way you came up with, with Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, about two guys that kind of just got thrusted together as a tag team. Uh, another combination that I think of when it comes to, like, uh, Brizongo is what they did down in NXT. Obviously, it's a little bit different down in NXT than it is on the main roster. But a couple years ago when they did the Dusty, the Ro- uh, Dusty Rhodes Memorial Tag Team Tournament, I don't even know if it was even the Memorial Tag Team Tournament, but it just could have been the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Tournament, where they put together a tag team of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and, you know, they've actually developed into one of the better tag teams down at NXT. Arguably, they're the second best tag team down there right after the uh, the revival. Yeah. 
And you know what? Those two are very talented. I feel the same way about Breezango. I think Tyler Breeze kind of got like the raw deal when he first came up, and he was like 0 for like 309 when he first got brought up from NXT. And Is that as many times as you saw that Braun Strowman match? Oh, it's not. It's not even close to how many times I've seen James that. Ellsworth. I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point I'm up to like 4,307 times oh, okay. I've seen so me. I, I mean, there's there's uh, not there's nothing even close. Okay, so that's like one tenth of the size. Of the right. Okay. But I that's that's what I think of. Obviously, I think that um, Fandango is a very talented in-ring performer. And I know it kind of sucks that Jericho kind of gave up a match at WrestleMania for what ended up being nothing. I think what people kind of get butthurt about is the fact that Jericho put over Fandango at WrestleMania 29 and then in beat, his first match and, and in his first match and then lost to AJ Styles at Russell, you know, and then he beat, I'm sorry, he beat AJ Styles at WrestleMania 32. It's like, you know, whatever it, it is what it is. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I kind of like, I, I was glad they kind of went with a, a little bit of a strange thing though. Circling back to SummerSlam in that 12, you know, man tag match that they kind of, you know, took an established team like the Usos and you kind of are putting the building blocks for them to do a heel turn and kind of change their persona. And hopefully, you know, I think we're going to have a series of what will hopefully be incredible matches between American Alpha and the Usos. Oh, it's going to be a great setup. I I hope. Those two are definitely if if it if the cards fall the way they should, um, I'm going to give you my my assessment of what's going to happen with the tag team division in the, uh, the in the tournament that we spoke of that we will be talking more in depth later on. But I, I think that if it does end up being the Usos and American Alpha, that by God those matches are going to be ridiculous. And uh, y- you know I think uh, the TLC pay per views uh, coming up fairly soon next couple of months. Uh, I don't know if that's a SmackDown or a Raw pay-per-view, so I'm not sure. But if it's a SmackDown pay-per-view and those guys end up in any one of... If it's a TLC match, if it's a ladder match, or if it's a tables match, or whatever, that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, another The the next match, we, we, we kind of talked about a little bit Zane and Neville defeating the Dudley boys kind of really a nothing match that means nothing because Zane and Neville are not going to be tag a tag team I, I think they just put them together and said hey this is SummerSlam we need to get as many people as we can on the card kind of sucks for Zane though like literally he just got off a huge feud with Kevin Owens where he was the one who they put over and then all of a sudden it's like you, you put a guy like Sami Zayn over, and you make him look really good, and then you got nothing for him. What the hell is that? I mean, really, like, it seems like one of those things where it's like, you, you make him look good to, for, for, for no no purpose. I, I agree with you on that. I, I really am a big fan of Sami Zayn. I'm just glad that he had an opportunity to fight at SummerSlam. I never would have figured that him and Neville were going to team up against the Dudley boys in the pre-show. So, to be perfectly honest, I have no other opinion on this this matchup. I mean, it, it was a throwaway. It, it, it was basically shit. it was just basically a throwaway match. You know, Neville and Zayn got the win. La di da. 
I I puked the end, and that's it. You know, they're still going to get Keebler cookies made for everybody. Well, and then after that, we had the first in the best of seven series between uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. It's a shameful thing. Right? Lobster head. Well, uh, you know, in the predictions, I thought Cesaro should go over, uh, mostly because I, I think Cesaro needs needed, like, more than Sheamus to have a big win on a big show, and, you know, they... There's nothing wrong with having Sheamus go over in this match. I just thought it would be good for Cesaro to push him forward as some somebody who is important, somebody who's a big deal, to win this match. Um, you know, Sheamus won with somewhat underhanded tactics, so he's the heel. You know, that, that makes sense for that. Um, as long as the end game for this is Cesaro winning this and, you know, having a bunch of really good matches between a couple of hard-hitting guys from Europe, I, I'm okay with this. I just, I, I was hoping that Cesaro would go over on, you know, the second biggest show of the year. That's all. I actually, I'm pretty sure that I picked Sheamus. You pick Sheamus. Of course, I picked Sheamus. That's my boy. Uh, you know, the, the Your inter- second I, spirit animal. No, I wouldn't go that far. There's only there's only one spirit animal until I find my new spirit animal. Thank you, Bubba Ray, again. Um, I'm not surprised that Sheamus actually won this match against Cesaro. Not to discount anything that Cesaro has done, but when I heard that this was going to be a best of seven series, I'm like, all right, they're definitely not going to have this end in like five or six games. Or matches, I'm sorry. I'm thinking I'm thinking sports. Um, I figured that Sheamus was actually going to get the first victory out of this. It just made too much sense. Because a lot of times when you do like a two out of three falls match, the guy that you think is, you know, usually the guy who takes the first fall of a two out of three falls match typically is the guy who ends up losing the match. Because it's like, oh, no, well, this guy won the first fall. So now all he has to do is get one win, whereas so-and-so has to win two matches in a row to win the the two out of three falls match, and then goes and does it. I figured that Sheamus was actually going to take the first match of the best of seven match series, series yeah. with with uh, Cesaro. I ultimately think that Cesaro is actually going to take this. It's going to go the full seven. There's no way that they're not going to have it, because I don't think they would have pushed it to a point where McFoley's like, oh, we're going to do a best of seven series, and then, oh, well, we're going to have Sheamus win in five, or Cesaro's going to win in six. You know, it's, they're not the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're not going to do it that way. They're going to push it for the full seven because I think that the fans are going to be the ones that benefit the most from there actually being seven matches of Sheamus versus Cesaro. They're both very talented superstars. They both work very well together in the ring. I think this is this is great for both of them, even though it, it meant that the two of them were going to be out of something else that happened on Raw, but we'll get yeah, into that later. Yeah, that's kind of bull crap, but... Yeah. Uh, w- not that I think this is going to happen. This is kind of fantasy booking on my part. Uh, years ago on WCW, uh, William Regal, uh, at that time he was Lord Stephen Regal, went against uh, Fit Finley, known as Finley in WWE. Uh, they had like a parking lot brawl, and they had like a bunch of cars set up all around. I would love to see Sheamus and Cesaro in a match like that, and that's like the last match of it, 
where it's like tied three to three and they're doing this crazy thing surrounded by cars where they're like throwing each other through windows and crap like that. I don't want to see the two of them get hurt, but I, I love the stiff style that both of them work in. I think the the two of them would have, a, uh, I wouldn't say a, a fun day at the office, but I think they would uh, enjoy the hard-hitting style of having like a crazy match similar to the one that Finley and Regal had all those years ago. I would love to see that, but one match that I'd like to see happen in this best of seven is kind of like a uh, transporter versus rock steady match where they kind of just, you know, Cesaro dresses up like Jason Statham from one of his movies and well, he th- already does. And I understand, but like have him wrestle like that and then have Seamus dress up like the, the rhinoceros from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But that's just me being that's a mark. That's his spirit animal. That's his spirit animal. And, uh, but I, I think, I think it's a good setup. I thought they had a really good match. It's it's not yeah. very often that Cesaro has a bad match, and well, e- even Sheamus, even I mean, even Sheamus, Sheamus both Sheamus. of them don't have bad matches. I mean, you know, they're both really good performers. I think the with both of them, the thing that they could probably work on a little bit more is character development. And I think uh, actually lately Cesaro has been much better. Like his whole character is about like, you know, the the man or the woman is holding me down kind of, you know, I, I'd i rather be on SmackDown than Raw because they like wrestling more. I agree. Um, with that being said, um, talking about my predictions from SummerSlam, uh, the next match, which was pretty much the leadoff match on the main card of SummerSlam, uh, was between the tag team of Big Cass and Enzo Amore, who returned home. In front of their family and friends, and it was a big to-do, and how great it was, and then... And, and I should have known in my predictions that Vince Vince McMahon, when you're in front of your hometown, you know what he likes to do, booking-wise? He likes to book you to lose, so you remain humble. I should have known this, but... I'm just telling you right now, I was the only one that actually got this prediction right. You can't go up against a six-time world heavyweight champion who is the first ever undisputed champion in WWE history, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time with his nine intercontinental title reigns, has won tag team titles, who's won with several different superstars, the WWE tag team championships. If there was a prime definition of what a first ballot Hall of Famer looks like, there's a picture of Chris Jericho in that dictionary. Teams up with Kevin Owens, who's a former NXT champion, who's a former Intercontinental champion, who, in my opinion, is the most talented guy on the roster. I don't care what kind of chemistry that they had or lack thereof. They're both from Canada. It shouldn't have taken that long. No, 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 it no, shouldn't no, no. have taken that. Let me let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. No, wait. The, right, the, there's no chemistry to be had. The two of them immediately clicked. They're awesome together. I would immediately click with Chris Jericho. Let's be serious. And even if I was just the a guy The two of them was, are awesome. Oh, they're fantastic together. And I'm just telling you right now, I called it. There's nothing else I need to say about this. I fucking called it. I said it. I predicted it. It wasn't you. It wasn't our special guest, uh, 
Come on. It wasn't Cousin it wasn't Ryan. Ryan. It, cousin wasn't, Ryan. it wasn't Cousin Ryan. It wasn't Ja Rule. It was fucking Bobby the Brainless, who wasn't fucking brainless when he made that prediction. You laughed at me. He laughed at me. I'm sure the seven people who downloaded this podcast last week laughed at me when I made that prediction. You know what? I was fucking right. That's all that matters to me is that Bobby the Brainless was right. I said it. I predicted it. And it fucking came through. Because you know why? Because I'm Bobby the Brainless, and I'm awesome. Well, drops the mic. If Unfortunately, things that happened later in the card ended up screwing with this. I think this was supposed to be a series of matches, or at least a couple of matches. I agree. Uh, and I think in the end, Enzo and Big Cass were supposed to, you know, get the better of the two of them. Uh there were circumstances beyond WWE's control, obviously, and, and now circumstances have changed. Uh, but you know what? I I absolutely did not see Jericho and Owens winning this match. It, it was a good, entertaining, and fun match. And as much as I dislike SummerSlam, uh, this was one of the surprises that, like, I was like. All right. What are you going to do next? They had a fantastic match. The two teams had a fantastic match. You know you're going to get your best out of Chris Jericho. Kevin Owens is one of those guys that definitely puts 110% out there every time he performs. Big Cass is one of those guys that he's really, really impressing me the more and more I see him in the ring. And I can't even tell you about Enzo Amore, who right now is the leader he, heading he, into he's the... He's the best on the mic right now. He, he, he's, I mean, he, Jericho is obviously awesome. There's a lot of guys that are good, but, like, Enzo is, like... There's something different about that cat. He's, right now, the leader heading into the clubhouse for replacing Bubba Ray Dudley as my spirit animal. But the only thing I have to say is I was fucking right. You were? I was right. I have no problem admitting when other people are right. No, and I don't either, and at this point, I was right. Am I right? So, Am I right? Am I right? Am right. I right? Right. Right. Ned. So, you, you know, that match, good, cool, surprising finish. It got SummerSlam off to a hot start. I thought SummerSlam actually liked the first third to a quarter of it. Really good show. And then, you know, kind of fell apart in places. Uh, but after that, we had the uh, Charlotte and Sasha match, which I thought overall pretty good match there were a couple of like you botches. could tell botches that happened in the match but you know the second surprise of the night where i was like when charlotte won you know it just came out of nowhere like it seemed like when they uh had the first you know raw after the draft they wanted to make a statement wanted to do something different wanted to have sasha win and have a big title change on that first show, and then all of a sudden you you go and you know about a month later take the title off. Or I was I was uh, perplexed uh, uh, about what was happening, and then you end up hearing after that you know she's got some lingering injuries that she kind of needs to take a little time off, and I'm just wondering to myself. Uh, they could have had her win that match and had her, you know, stay on TV, stay relevant, and do things while she was resting up. 
and, and you know whether it's starting a tournament between the other ladies in division or or, or what have you. It just seemed to me really soon to take the title off her, considering that they're only keeping her off the road for about a month. You know, they, they have the quote-unquote 30 days rules. Which doesn't apply to Brock Lesnar, by the way. Right. Y- you would think, because it's just 30 days, hey, you know what? Keep her on TV, keep her relevant, keep her doing stuff so people see her. I, I still don't a hundred percent understand why they took the belt off her, but and this was one of those situations where we all said that it was going to be Sasha Banks. I figured it was a slam dunk that she was going to win. Obviously, closer to the start time of SummerSlam. I enjoy uh, surprises, though. Oh yeah, oh no, believe me, nobody loves a surprise more than I do. I except for unless it's like a surprise birthday party for me, which I just turn around and walk out of. But for me, when when word got out that the odds of Charlotte winning the title went from her being the underdog in the match to her being the favorite. I said, all right, maybe there's something that I don't know about it. But there's something that I've picked up on over the years. And believe me, I've been watching wrestling for 28 years. The one thing that I've always picked out about amongst anything else is that a champion that's going into a match that they're going to lose the championship that they have has the absolute worst poker face of anybody. When Sasha Banks came through the the uh, through the curtain, the curtain, Titan thank you, Tron, whatever. Uh, I still this alcohol. Uh, when she came out through the curtain, and I saw her face before she walked down the ramp, I said she's going to lose. Poker face. Poker face, and. Honestly, if I had known that, I probably would have changed my prediction to Charlotte winning the match and winning the t- the championship. Yeah, but I mean, anybody with a freaking brain on their head, I mean, obviously, you had both of your brain cells working full time. Like, they were working overtime last week because your predictions were more or less spot on, where this one, I mean, nobody saw. No, nobody saw this coming. I, I really think that... A lot of people were surprised by this. I, I think guess, it was a last-second call, oh, honestly, was, it, it, because it, how, how do you go from putting the title on her, you know, making her seem like a big deal, and then taking it off her? Right, I agree. And um, I think it's it's good because, obviously, later on in this podcast, we're going to discuss something that Sasha's injury helped benefit something else in the scheme of things for the women's division of Monday Night Raw, but we'll, we'll obviously we'll get into that a little bit later. We definitely want to, you know, get through the rest of uh, the SummerSlam card before we start talking about the other stuff that we usually talk about in the podcast. All right, so uh, after that, we had uh, Miz and Apollo Crews, which, I mean, overall, they're, they're met, it, it was all right. It was just short. Uh, Apollo Crews, so far on the main roster, has kind of been, eh, you know, his character is very vanilla. Uh, he's, he's the Dave Winfield of the WWE. He he doesn't do a lot for me on the mic. I, I think he the dude is an athletic freak. I mean, I think, you know, he, he is this generation's Shelton Benjamin. He can do things nobody else can do, and 
you know what? Not everybody could get on the stick and sell. You know, sometimes you need a little uh, help, whether it's having an advocate for you or, you know, you're just a silent assassin. You know, you end up with Apollo Crews. He is not what they would call a five-tool athlete uh, as far as WWE is concerned. But, you know, I think The Miz actually looked really strong in this match, which really surprised me. I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive, a little bit longer of a match. And it just surprised me that The the Miz won clean and so, so like, it, it was clean in, in the middle of the ring. No underhanded tactics, really. I mean, Maurice was a little bit of a distraction, but not much. Another prediction of mine that actually I knocked out of the park. I was pretty much like... Uh, well, uh, I, I predicted that Miz would win, yeah. too, but, I mean, I just didn't... I thought it would be more competitive than it looked. I was like Gene Carlos Stanton in the Home Run Derby during my predictions of the SummerSlam card. And I'll tell you why. Mikey Mizanin was victorious over Apollo Creed at SummerSlam. It's because he's the Miz, and he's awesome. He wins at life. Oh, we don't have to go into that. I mean, I, I pray to God that someday I could find somebody who's half as attractive as the Miz's wife, and I can pretty much tell you that I would, I would win at life if that was the case. I don't expect to find somebody that looks like Maurice... It's not that I'm short, you know, shortchanging myself or anything, but goddamn, she's fucking good beautiful. Looking. Well, thank you, Jay. But you know, I, I, I know this th- this match. I think in the end, I think Apollo Cruz is going to be the Intercontinental Champion when this thing ends. I don't. Uh, but we'll see if your brain cells are working overtime right now. But oh, my brain cells are in in bed. I'm. I'm basically running oh, good. out of fuel so, right uh, now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably right. Uh, but I uh, think no, Paolo no, Cruz no, no, that doesn't is going mean... to end up winning in this feud. I just think he looked kind of like a jobber in this one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute there. That doesn't mean you're right. Just I'm because, right. Just because I'm on lack of sleep. I'm on I, lack of sleep. Yeah, well, this isn't a pissing contest now, is it, Jay? My, wait, 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 wait. Let's take the microphones in the other room, and let's go take a piss. I already took one before we started this thing, so I don't think All right, I... so I win. Let me let me tell you what I my personal opinion on all this is. What has the WWE been doing over the last three or four, maybe five years? They have finally, for the most part, been making champions finally like have longer title reigns. The only, only exceptions I, I will... The only caveats I will give to that is the U.S. champion and the Intercontinental champion in non-title matches look like crap. They always lose. And I I, I think in the end, uh, thankfully with Miz and his current title reign, uh, there haven't been too many times where he's lost these non-title matches like a lot of the previous IC champions have, so it's finally kind of 
made the, the Intercontinental title seem like, you know, a big deal, or at least a big bigger deal than it has been. My My personal opinion is there's certain names in the last few years that really stick out to me, and I think that WWE is going to try doing this. Uh, CM Punk is the first name I think of. Uh, then it was AJ Lee, and then after AJ Lee, it was Nikki Bella, obviously for personal reasons. And then and Charlotte. And then Charlotte. I wasn't really going to go with Charlotte because she but didn't I really mean, get... She... No, she had a very long reign, but I was thinking of more like people who are trying to put themselves in a stratosphere for like long title reigns. Like the New Day has been the tag team champions for over a year, which I think is awesome. I think they're going to yep. drop the belt soon, so Axe and Smash can, uh, you know, be like Mercury Morris every time it's the last undefeated team in the NFL loses and start celebrating and everything. In my personal opinion, I think Mikey the Miz is going to have the longest reign as Intercontinental Champion. He's going to surpass the Honky Tonk Man as the longest reigning Intercontinental should Champion. He come up with, should he bring the Honkometer back? He'd have to ask Santino first before he brought the honkometer back, but I wouldn't be opposed to that. I really do think that that's something that they're really strongly considering is having the Miz as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. Because why not? They did it with the WWE Championship. I mean, obviously CM Punk wasn't at the level of like a Bruno San Martino or a Bob Backlund, but still in the modern day reign as WWE Champion, he has. One of the longest reigns, if not the longest the, reign. The longest. And, you know, you've got Nikki Bella, who has the longest reign as Divas slash WWE Women's Champion. So why not The Miz? Uh, the only thing I would say against The as much as I'm not against The Miz passing the honky-tonk man, this is quote-unquote the new era. If it's new era, new people, uh, new talent, new names, getting over. Uh, having The Miz, who's been there for a decade plus, uh, being a champion, maybe not the greatest thing. Although, his segment on Smack Talk after SmackDown gives me a little bit of, like, in my brain, maybe they will keep the title on him for a long time. Maybe. And if they do drop the Intercontinental from The Miz, which I could definitely see happening, I can honestly tell you that I could see him going after the WWE World Heavyweight Championship on SmackDown, just because why not? I mean, he's he's really proving himself. He brought up a lot of good points since you brought up the Smack Talk moment that he had with Daniel Bryan, where Daniel Bryan called him a coward, and The Miz took to heart of that because of the fact that The Miz has been there for 10 years, and how many times has The Miz gotten injured? Not too many. I mean, uh, when I first saw saw the segment, honestly, I, I thought everything that was going on was completely real because the things that Daniel Bryan said were true. You know, he works a very safe style. You don't see him do a lot of things off the top rope. You don't see him doing dives. You don't see him doing some of the crazier things that Daniel Bryan used to do and more or less had to retire because he did them. Um, you know, I, quite frankly, like after he Daniel Bryan brought this stuff up, it reminded me of years ago 
there was a spot in a match where R-Truth was doing like uh, a suicide dive or a flip over the top ropes. And literally, the Miz who is supposed to be out there and like eat whatever dive the R-Truth was doing, he just moved out of the way. It was like he did not want to take that bump. And when Daniel Bryan said that, like, what he said resonated with me, but I also understand, like, when The Miz just got in his face and went absolutely crazy, because, like, if you've seen some of The Miz's, like, various acting adventures, uh, he's not the greatest actor in the world, so... But neither is John Cena. But if we're talking specifically about this moment with The Miz... I thought it was an absolutely real moment between he and Daniel Bryan where Daniel Bryan literally just called him out for, you know, basically being a pussy. And Miz, you know, was defending himself, defending his honor as being, I wouldn't say the toughest guy in the room, but being a guy who goes out there, performs every night. He's being smart. And but the thing is, with with Miz, it's like not not the greatest technician in the ring. Good character, okay in the ring, but you look at what he does and you're like, on yeah, nothing special. Like ring wise, ring wise he's very vanilla. Character wise, he's he's more than vanilla. He's good. He's chocolate chip cookie dough. But you know, again, if you take what he's done on the silver screen as an actor, he's not the the greatest in the world. In this, I completely bought in. I thought it was real how pissed off he was about Daniel Bryan calling him out for, you know, not really taking risks at what he does. So I thought this was a, a really cool moment. Honestly, for me, the markout moment of the week was smack talk between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. It was freaking awesome. I can't argue with that. I really, I was right there with you. I was convinced that it was an actual argument that the two had, that they kind of broke K-Fab and The Miz just lost his shit, and then Daniel Bryan just walked off the set. To be perfectly honest, I was ready to give The Miz an Emmy Award for that performance that he had on smack talk i was that convinced where the fuck has this miz been the last 10 years if this was the miz that has been there since day one he would have a lot more championships in his repertoire than he has his one excuse me wwe championship reign you know his one united states championship reign his five intercontinental titles is you know, his three or four or however many tag team championships. I mean, to be honest, I mean, he's already in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I think he's built himself a, a very solid career. He's been, you know... Better than Coco Beware? A thousand times better than Coco Beware. Fair enough. I, I think, you know, the Miz uh, caught a raw deal, especially with how he started, you know... People saw him coming from reality TV. He was a wrestling fan his whole life, and that was just his avenue into WWE. And 
he's gotten a lot of irrational hatred and hate in general because that's how he started. But, you know, I think overall he he's a much better performer today than he was five years ago. Yeah, excuse you. That was freaking gross. No, it wasn't. I'm was a guy. On more than one level. Boom! But, you know, as an overall performer, like, despite the fact that he main evented uh, WrestleMania five years ago, he is better now than he was then. Uh, I think he's a bit better in the ring, but his persona, he knows it more than he did then. You know, when I do my Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers, I just put the Miz on there four times. Because you know why? Because he's awesome. Yeah, he he's he's better than like The Rock. Of course he is. Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan. He's better than Hulk Rick Hogan. Flair. Woo! He he he. Much better. So, okay. Than, all right. All right. All right. Than, all right. Than, all, let, than let, all of those guys. Let, let me let me let me rephrase that. Much much better. He's the second greatest wrestler of all time after Stone Cold Steve Austin. The much, greatest much gimmick, better. the greatest gimmick, the greatest on the mic, in my personal opinion. I mean, him and Roddy Piper kind of like set the bar, but yeah, it's only Steve Austin. Steve Austin's the only one better than the Miz, because the Miz is awesome, and he's married to Maurice. Well, I, I, I thought you said like Duke, Duke the Dumpster Drossy was better than him. Duke the Dumpster Drossy's better than Coco Beware, and Coco Beware's in the Hall of Fame. Coco Beware actually was like in a meaningful match in WrestleMania, but so was Duke the Dumpster Drossy. It's called WrestleMania 17. Gimmick Battle Royal doesn't count. Yes, it does. There were how, a lot of does, people in that on, Battle Royal. How, does, how, how is does, the earthquake not in the in the WWE Hall of Fame now? I don't know why the earthquake's not in the hall in the Hall of Fame. How, how the how how is uh, how is uh, the goon not in the Hall of Fame? How, how, how's the Repo Man not in the Hall of Fame? Well, I I, I think I mean, his Christ, other persona hey, should be in hey, the Hall of Fame. You know what? Fame. Michael P. S. Hayes just got in this year. It was 15 years after that WrestleMania performance at WrestleMania 17 that he got into the Hall of Fame. Bullshit. He should have been. Oh, in he. Much I, abso- I absolutely sooner. agree. He should have been in sooner. Him and Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, one of the greatest. Groups of wrestlers, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, stables in WWE history, one of the greatest entrance songs too. They weren't WWE very long, but that's probably why it took them so long to get in. Yeah, they were more more known for the territories that they were in, whether it was uh, world class or uh, or uh, WCW and slash NWA. I mean, they kind of moved around a bit, but. We're starting to do ADHD. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, let's get back on track a little bit here. Uh, All right, so uh, after the Miz Apollo Crews, Miz winning, going over uh, in very convincing fashion, we go to uh, the match that uh, I think we both predicted correctly, but uh, still somewhat surprising. AJ Styles defeating slash beat up. John Cena. I just want to say, of all of the matches 
that night. There was only one match that I was actually happier with the outcome of than this one. I felt like AJ Styles deserved to win this one because it's like... It was the match of the night. Oh, it was definitely the match of the night. They had a fantastic match. I know I've been trashing Cena for a long time, and I've been trashing Cena a hell of a lot longer than I've been doing this podcast. You know, I always say that, oh, it's the same old shit. I've been doing this podcast for so long. Come on. I'm just I'm just trying to give people a little bit of a I'm background. I'm giving people a little bit of, of a background with me so they know what they're dealing with when it comes to Bobby the Brainless. And what I'm trying to say here is that it wasn't the prototypical moment that they have in the WWE where John Cena... The golden Cena, shovel did not where, come out. Exactly, where John Cena comes out with his golden shovel wearing his fucking Superman cape after he runs out of the phone booth, which he should be doing... With the jorts. With the jorts. With a Super Cena shirt. AJ Styles came out there. He beat up John Cena. And he won the match. On This is the first clean pin of John Cena since uh, Brock Lesnar beat the crap out of him at SummerSlam a few years ago. And I've also found out that John Cena's record at SummerSlam is just not that impressive either. Uh, the last time that he won at SummerSlam was the time he shouldn't have won. Every time he wins, he shouldn't have won. But this was the time when he went against the Nexus, and he got DDT'd outside the ring on the concrete, and somehow two minutes later woke up and beat two members of the Nexus. It's John Cena. He has his golden shovel with him everywhere he goes. He likes to bury people more than The Undertaker does. But finally, he did not bury somebody. AJ Styles, in my opinion, is going to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at the next pay-per-view. And Dixie Carter is going to cry her eyes out when it happens. I really hope that when it does happen, when AJ Styles does win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, that they have Samoa Joe and Austin Aries, and Bobby Roode, and Eric Young, and... Everybody else from and TNA Apollo, that they have. Not, not Apollo, I'm sorry. Uh, Xavier, Xavier Woods, Woods, a.k.a. Consequences Creed, and any other former TNA superstar that's now in the WWE or NXT come out and celebrate and hoist Mr. AJ Styles on their shoulders. Hell, I mean, Luke Gallows can come out, too. I forgot he was Doc Gallows in TNA for a second, and then... You know, I, I broke through all the malted hops and bong resin to uh, remember that he was part of the TNA roster. And I would just love for them to just celebrate and just, like, they all look at the camera and give the proverbial middle finger to Dixie Carter. Honestly, I hope it if slash when, when. I don't even think it's if. I think it when, is a when. Next pay-per-view, I think. Uh, AJ I, Styles wins the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I hope he gets on the microphone and thanks Dixie Carter. I hope he goes, this is for you, Dixie Carter, and puts the microphone next to his ass and rips a fart in there. Because that would just be epic. That would that would be a mark-out moment. It would be phenomenal. Uh, so the fact that AJ Styles won, uh, we both predicted it, but like, it actually freaking happened. And something that actually happened at the end of the match I wanted to bring up before I forget is uh, the fact that at the, after the match was over and John Cena lost, 
he took off his armband and placed it in the ring and walked out. And people are wondering, does that mean it's it's over for John Cena? Is he done with the WWE? Is he done with professional wrestling? Probably not because of the fact that he talks about how much he loves this company and loves the fans and everything. And, and this is his life and he loves his job and all that jazz. And I, I love that AJ played into that and brought that on the SmackDown and wore it around his arm. Even though the thing is like uh, if a six-year-old is trying to wear one of my shirts. Right. Well... Good, good, good times with that. Like they, I, I, they've done a good job establishing that story and really, you know, making AJ feel like a big deal. Whether it was, you know, drafting him really high in the SmackDown draft, on top of him beating, you know, the face that runs the place. Um, so again, you know, this bringing it into the new era. I, I think this was. Again, one of the good things about SummerSlam. Now, after this match, this is when SummerSlam really started kind of to derail. I just want to know, when when we bring up this next match, and it's actually a pretty good segue considering we were talking about AJ Styles and former TNA employees, considering that this match had two, not just one, but two former TNA employees in the match where... Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows took on the team of the New Day, the reigning, defending, don't you dare, be sour, clap for your two-time WWE Tag Team Champions, and feel the power. The team, maybe you should quit smoking, Jay. I will. The team of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, formerly known as Consequences Creed. There was so much about this effing match that made no sense to me. The uh, the the fact that they dressed up like doctors at the beginning of it, Anderson and Gallows. No, no, they kind of built that into the story. But like, at this point, I, I'm pretty certain that the plan is to eclipse demolitions title reign because of their lawsuit against WWE and that's and that's fine but I don't like, see that being the case to be perfectly brought, honest but you know they've been playing off and, and I think it's been entertaining and fun that Biggie uh has been dealing with a, a a bruised testicular sack yeah you know and that's been kind of fun uh but they brought John Stewart into this, and it really like, hey, you know uh, what? Don't you dare say anything bad about the fact that John Stewart was a part of this match. He was a part of the match last year between John Cena and and Seth Rollins. He got involved. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Why at the end of this effing match? When they've been playing up the biggie's been injured, does he come out in his trunks and has no quote unquote injury? Why does he come out at the end of this frickin' match and act as if nothing is wrong, nothing has happened to him? Oh no, I, I definitely agree with that part. I thought you were gonna have that an was issue. fucking stupid. I thought you were gonna have issue with the fact that John Stewart was a part of the match, and I was just gonna say, hey, John Stewart. Wants to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
That's why he keeps showing up at SummerSlam. You let him be a part of a WrestleMania, you know what? Whoa, we gotta He's more you. relevant than Drew Carey was. Fuck Drew Carey. The fact that that fat piece of shit He's is in the... not fat do- anymore. It doesn't fucking matter. Fuck Drew Carey, that talentless hack who had a halfway decent show back in the 90s and 2000s, who's, who replaced the legend on The Price is Right. Fuck Drew Carey. He, he, didn't even, he acted like he didn't even want to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's sitting there and he's like, you know, he's like, thank you, thank you. Oh, fuck you. I'm not fucking buying that shit. Fuck you, Drew Carey. Get the fuck out of the Hall of Fame of the WWE. If your ass is going to be in the Hall of Fame, why the hell isn't King Kong Bundy in? Why the fuck isn't, uh... Celebrity wing. Oh, fuck the celebrity wing. Celebrity wing. Okay, all right. Yeah, fine. You know, they, they put Drew Carey in. Why isn't Shaq in the Hall of Fame then? Shaq that's is has... in Orlando. Oh, that's going to piss me off even more. That fucking piece of shit left the Orlando Magic high and dry, and he can fucking suck a railroad spike, too. Uh, tell me, tell me, tell me, please, where any of the John Stewart stuff makes sense. And it, it was kind of a little bit entertaining, but, like, really, where does it make sense in any bit of the storyline? He was supposed to be replacing Big E, but yet Big E was waiting in the wings with his gear on with apparently no issues. Maybe you should take a page out of the uh, New Day's book and just don't be sour. Hey, look, I will sus- suspend my, you know, Belief. reality and what's going on in the real world for what's going on in the WWE universe. But, like, this was so retarded. It's so WWE. But, like, I I have no problem involving celebrities and angles, but this, like, made no sense. It was fucking stupid. I know that they want to get, like, their headlines and TMZ and whatever the frick is out there. But, like, really, they could have come up with something better. Jon Stewart is smarter than this. I've seen him do things much more intelligent than this. He should have said, guys, I'm not doing this. This is retarded. It doesn't make any sense in the storyline that you have going right now. Please, don't make me look stupid. Valid point. I can't argue that. Um, that was my that was my big problem with this. It didn't make sense in the storyline. They just inserted John Stewart for a night, and he's gone again. Despite the fact that you had Biggie Langston, who had no apparent issue, no apparent injury, and guess what? Big E Langston was in his damn wrestling trunks, ready to go. I do have one question, though. True or false? Did Bobby the Brainless not predict that Big E Langston was going to get involved in the match? In the words of Daniel Bryan. What? 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 No, no, it's not. It's not what you're. You're getting. You're getting uh, Daniel Bryan mixed up with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I don't know how anybody can get those two mixed up. But it's yes, yes, yes. I said. And I quote, I will pull up that fucking podcast from last week and improve my point. I said either Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were going to walk out with the championships 
or Biggie Langston was going to get involved in the match and the New Day was going to retain the titles. I, That's all I got to say. I'm, I'm, I'm talking storyline-wise here. What they did was fucking stupid. Oh, I'm not, I'm not you disagreeing. You can be right all I'm you not, want, but it I'm was I'm not disagreeing stupid. with you. They call me Bobby the Brainless for a reason. I think of stupid shit all the time. So obviously that's why I was right, because I'm fucking brainless. Just like the creative team for the WWE. That's my point. Boom. That's why, that is why Bobby the Brainless lives the fucking gimmick. Because you know why? I'm just as intelligent as the idiots that get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to write this crap every single week for Raw and SmackDown and once a month for the fucking pay-per-views. You know what? I hope Vince McMahon's listening. I highly doubt it with the number of downloads we get. I we have thousands of listeners. I hope Vince McMahon is listening. I hope Triple H is listening. I hope that beautiful woman Stephanie McMahon is listening as well. Hell, I hope Shane O'Mac is listening, John Laryngitis, Kevin Dunn, whoever the fuck is running the show or has any part of running the show in the WWE. You want somebody to write for this company. You want somebody to come back to the state of Connecticut to work for you guys. You want somebody to give you bullshit. Like you, you want give somebody them a... to pay taxes to Daniel Malloy. You got your fucking guy right here. Bobby the fucking brainless. Because you know why? I can predict this shit and how I could write this shit better than your fucking creative team can. That was my whole point of why I knocked the fucking predictions out of the park. Because I'm just as brainless as the writers for the WWE. And you know what? Let's move on. <laughs> I, 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 just, right. I can't because... So, a, another thing that... The next thing that freaking pissed me off on this pay-per-view... Is it, is it really grind your gears? They built... This was actually a good build. They built up Ambrose and Ziggler to be something big, something important, to be something that, like, we should care about. The match happens, and and it was flat as hell. It was almost like they were going along on the pay-per-view, and they told, you know, both guys before they went out, uh, guys, we're running a little little bit long. Um, We're going to cut your match short by five minutes, and you need to go and figure out your match. And... Like, it really seemed like both guys, their heart was not in this freaking match, yet their freaking promos leading up to this match, I thought were freaking gold. Some of the best work that both of these guys have done, building their characters and just building this match, and then they go out there and freaking lay a turd like this. Dolph Ziggler and Demit Ambrose are both better than the shit that we saw last Sunday. It was an okay match, but both of them are far better than the shit we saw. I couldn't agree with you more. I really can't. I think you hit the nail right in the head with how this match was performed, considering the fact that even though it was a very poor setup for the entire card of SummerSlam heading into that night, the only one of the very few... Excuse me. Well, the, they, they built this match like they built this up better than any other match that I can think of. I, I, mean, I mean, the only one that kind of competed was, was the Lesnar Orton match, but 
you know? I, I just I think that they really shortchanged the fans on this one. I think the fans who pay the nine ninety nine a month for the WWE Network deserved a better match than what they got the for, ones the, who were for, in the, for the what the JBL Center. for what the for what JBL refers to as the most prestigious championship in all of sports. It should have been the fucking main event. Oh, don't get me started on that because we've seen it John. It should have been. We've seen, it's supposed we've seen, to be. We've seen John. Title. We've seen John Cena fight The Rock in a non-title match to main event of WrestleMania, where CM Punk, the reigning, defending, undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Champion, was near the end, uh, closer to the top of the mid card against Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 28. We're not going to get into details on that because we're not going to keep bringing up old stuff because we don't this need any more ADHD. New era. This is the new era. They want to bring up these guys, make them, you know, establish themselves as professional wrestlers. Dean Ambrose has proven to the WWE that he is over with the universe. He has been a fantastic champion in the short run he's had thus far. He's very entertaining. He's very good in the ring. He's one of the better guys in the mic. Dolph Ziggler... Say what you will about Dolph Ziggler being injury prone. The guy is money. You know what you're going to get out of Dolph Ziggler when he gets in the ring every single time he goes out there. The guy has so much heart and so much talent that he deserved more than what he got at SummerSlam. And the same thing goes for Dean Ambrose. I really do feel like they got shortchanged, and so did the fans. They deserved a longer match. But because of the fact that SummerSlam ran a little too long, because for whatever reason they wanted to jam 347 matches onto the card in four hours, and it's just like, do you really need all this? Do you really need to, you know, all you really need is all the titles on the line, you know, maybe another match, and then you had your Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton match. You didn't really need all those other matches that were part of it. I get the fact that you needed Cena and AJ Styles on there just because it's a main event caliber match, but I just think... Well, uh, over, overall with this, again, new era, I have no problem with Dean Ambrose going over. They built this match so well, and the match just came off as shit. And, again, both of these guys are so solid in the ring, there's rarely a night where you're like, well, that was a crap match. It really came off as if they were cut short and they felt defeated and didn't have the match that they wanted to have. I think the best way to describe the match between Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler is when you go out there and you buy the firecracker, you get this freaking M80, this massive thing, and it's like, this thing is so powerful, it can blow the freaking door off a barn. And you light up the firecracker, and you expect it to go up and put on this this incredible showmanship, and then it just lights up, and then it just and it just, it's a dud. That's how I felt about the Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler match. It really, it was completely hyped up. It was, like I said, it was set up better than any other match, and it was just a dud in the ring because of the fact that they sh- they really just cut the match shorter than it should have. They deserved a longer match. That's that's really all I can really say more about this match is that they could have done it better. I am a huge Dolph Ziggler fan. He's and I one of the few guys I actually have. I have the T-shirt. I wear the T-shirt for. And it's because you're a show off, right? Am I right? But he he he's one of the few guys I've latched on to. I enjoy guys who are very athletic, do great stuff in the ring. Uh, 
they don't necessarily need to be the greatest on the microphone. Dolph, during the build-up to this match, was awesome. The best he's been in his life on the microphone. And he was beat convincingly by Dean Ambrose in a... Again, by both of their standards... Lackluster. A a lackluster match. I, I was so pissed off at this match. If it was, like... They built up Dolph so many times to be a contender against these champions, and he comes down, and he always loses. But this time, he lost convincingly. It wasn't like there was a distraction. It wasn't like there was a foreign object used. He just lost. And it... I can't take him seriously anymore. I I love the guy, and... I'm glad he's collecting a a good paycheck, but I can't take him as a serious contender anymore. That's a valid point, Jay. And uh, speaking of not taking things seriously, uh, let's move on to the next match on the SummerSlam card. It was uh, the Six Diva Tag Team match between Becky Lynch and uh, I'm having a brain Carmella and uh, the the girl who's married to the USO. Right. I forget her name. Trinity. Fatu. Trinity is her real name. Uh, is it Naomi? Naomi. Is it Naomi? I forget. It's either yeah, Naomi yeah, yeah. or the other the other no, one. No, no. Cameron's funk- the one who's gone. Okay. So Naomi. So Na- Naomi against uh, the, te- what? the team of Natty Nightheart and my girl Alexa Bliss, who I just, oh. And the uh, surprise entrant who is taking the place of Bobby the Brainless's favorite performer, Ava Marie. Can, uh, I, can I, before we go on. Your favorite. Um, um, can, before we go on. Favorite. Before we go on, I would, just like to, I would just like to bring something up. The fact that Ava Marie was not part of this match at SummerSlam was because of the fact that that dumb bitch... There's a lot of stress. It's because of the crap that you've she, been spewing on It's her. because of the fact that she didn't get her paperwork in in time after testing positive for a banned substance in the WWE substance list that she was suspended for 30 days. The fact of the matter is, is that they wrote it off in the storyline that she was on vacation and wasn't able to attend SummerSlam so they had to bring in a surprise person to be the teammate of Natty Neidhart and Alexa Bliss. Cut the shit, WWE. Cut the fucking shit. You'd have to be living under a fucking rock. And not only were you living under that rock, but the reason you're living under that rock is they dropped... Is the fact that they dropped the fucking rock on your fucking head. To not know that she was suspended. So, to pull this bullshit come that on, you K-Fab pulled... Come on, is still alive. To pull this bullshit that you come up with this retarded reason why she didn't show up for SummerSlam, even though every fan who's got at least five brain cells, which includes myself, know that she has been suspended for 30 days... Because you want to make this storyline sound better than it does. Why? I don't fucking know. Just fucking tell the truth. This girl needs to get fired. Just fucking cut her. 
Yesterday, she tweeted something out on Twitter, and she misspelled the world. And you know what I did? I grammar policed her. Because you know why? Because I'm fucking Bobby the Brainless. And I'm done with this bitch. My goal now in this world is to watch this bitch get futured endeavored, end up in TNA, where I'm sure she's going to be a six-time knockout champion because that's what they do with a lot of the other rejects from the WWE, i.e. Drew Galloway. And, you know, I just don't want to deal with her, and I hope she blocks me. I really do. I'm just done with it. I really am done with this bitch. It's to a point now where the Divas division on SmackDown has officially become... Like I give a rat's ass what it's called. They're it's, all superstars. It's still the bathroom slash cigarette break for me for every time they're out on Raw, every time they're out on SmackDown, and every time they're out on a pay-per-view. I'm going to tell you, I future ex-wife, Sasha Banks, that you do that. Alexa Bliss is my ex-wife. Future. future. Ex-wife. Future. So I don't, I don't even care. I don't care. Because you know why? You're the only one that's going to be able to chime in on this match. Because I spent this match outside having a cigarette. Because I'd rather waste you, six you minutes know, of my... You know what I, I would rather during this match? You know what I did to this match? Slept? No. We, we, we had a bet that if this thing went over ten minutes, that we were going to do a shot of... Fireball. Which we did. We were a man, and I was the guy of my word. We had a shot of Fireball because this match went 11 minutes, and the surprise return of Nikki Bella, who came back to a hero's welcome despite the fact that she was on the heel team. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 my brain right now, it's trying it's to comprehend a freaking it. Pretzel. It's 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 kind of trying to. It's like comprehending. Pretzel the same logic. way, trying to understand how Hacksaw Jim Duggan is an intelligent man. But proceed, because you're going to have to cover this, because I, if I remember correctly, I did urinate and have a cigarette. So, Well, like, the, the, the match really wasn't much of anything. Uh, but, like, honestly, you bring back, uh, you know, somebody who is known and a star like Nikki Bella, you know that she's going over. You know that, you know, Super Cena lost before uh, earlier in the card. And Fuck you that have card. his uh, returning girlfriend on the the card. She is going to win. So, Nikki Bella coming back. Uh, weird that she was uh, a heel and ended up, you know, on the winning side of things. Uh, interesting. Uh and I, I think this is going to lead to things down the road, but uh, we shall see. But, like, this this match was so much of nothing. And this was, like, an hour worth, an hour, hour and a half worth of nothing at this point at SummerSlam. So you're getting into the two main matches, and, like, all the momentum that you had built up in the first half from SummerSlam, like, it ran into, like, a freaking freight train. And I will say this. The, the match that preceded this match was actually pretty good. The uh, the Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins to crown the first ever Universal Champion in WWE history was actually a pretty good match. We got to see the Demon King, Finn Balor, although we just saw it six days before the 
SummerSlam match itself. I know that you were still kind of uh, well, salty well, well, about the fact that they did that on Raw, but I mean, we, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, I knew that Seth Rollins and Finn Balor were going to have an excellent match. They really did not disappoint. Seth Rollins disappointed fans for a completely different reason, but the fact that the match itself was actually really it was good. Fine, it, it was, and the outcome was right. Oh yeah, they they knocked the outcome out of the park. I was very happy to see the way it ended. I know you were happy to see it end the way it did. Ultimately, 24 hours later, uh, nobody expected what had happened to happen. And we'll get into that after we're done with the SummerSlam recap. Well, I mean, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, You know, Seth Rollins has now injured three people. Three people. Very seriously, he broke John Cena's nose. Where oh he come had on, to you get... can't you can't seriously injure John Cena. That's like saying you could seriously injure Superman. It just doesn't happen. But go ahead. He broke his nose into pieces, and then after that, he does the buckle bomb, which ends uh, Sting's career. Which really pissed me off because he cost me the match I wanted to see at WrestleMania. And then he does the buckle bomb into the barricade, which ends up tearing uh, Finn Balor's labrum, which, you know, if you look at the spot there, Finn really seems like he was at fault, but it's like, how many times can the other guy be at fault? You know, basically it seems like, Finn was not entirely trusting of what was going to happen to him, i.e. see Sting. So he's like looking back and trying to brace himself and ends up, you know, tearing his shoulder up. So, you know, yeah, it was kind of a freak accident, but you know what? How do you have so many quote-unquote freak accidents with the same performer over and over and over again? I'd like to add something to the fact of the injury that Finn Balor suffered. The fact that his sh- his shoulder did separate after he collided with the wall. And the and dude's he tough pop- as freaking nails. And he popped that shoulder back into place and continued to the, the match. match. Are you kidding me? I stubbed my toe and I don't even want to work for a week. This guy freaking separated his shoulder, which is one of the most painful things you can actually ever endure. And then he popped it back into place. The guy has earned Bobby the Brainless's respect. As a human being and as a man. You can never take away Finn Balor's man card after what he did at SummerSlam. He he continued the match, continued at a high level, and at the end of the match, he was victorious and became the first ever Universal Champion in With WWE history. With that terrible-looking championship. With that ugly-ass red belt. Uh, which they should have saved for Ava Marie, but... You know, that's neither here nor there. I'm going to choke you with this microphone cord. But, you know, they had the right outcome, and they had a pretty good match, but because of all of kind of the crappiness that happened for like the prior hour, hour and a half, this match came off flat, not because of what the two guys did in the ring, but because of the crappy ordering the WWE did of the show. They should have done things in a slightly different order and even after this they ended up I mean they had that Roman Reigns quote unquote US title match against Rusev Roman Reigns and like 
I had I have zero problem with Reigns, you know, having a complete beatdown on Rusev. It probably would have been better suited on Monday Night Raw instead of having that 20-minute main event match where Roman Reigns went over clean on the U.S. champion. Roman Reigns! And his wet hair. Uh, they should have had the Roman Reigns beatdown of Rusev on Monday Night Raw to hype you for this match at SummerSlam. Instead, we ended up getting this, like, beatdown on SummerSlam, which, if they're going to continue on this path, I don't know if Roman needs to win the U.S. title, but I think this should lead to a Hell in the Cell match, which the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view is usually in October. Uh, if it leads to a Hell in the Cell match, it kind of makes sense that they kind of boosted up the aggression. But again, this is SummerSlam. This is supposed to be your number two show, and you shouldn't be having kind of throwaway shit like this. Two! They should have had a clear, defined winner on this number two show of the year. Again, I kind of get it if it leads to something like a Hell in the Cell, but not completely. You know, I'll see where it goes, but honestly, this was freaking stupid. You know, you had a bunch of dud matches in a row, and then you have this beatdown, which I thought Roman looked good, and he looked like a badass, but storyline-wise, what the fuck? I don't get it. I really don't. I agree with you. If they do lead to something a little bit better down the road, like a either a Hell in a Cell or TLC, a, no holds a, 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 steel, a steel cage match, a last man standing match, an Iron Man match, uh, uh, a uh, Bulgarian street fight, or a, a Samoan street fight, or Punjabi a prison, or you know, or a, a, a Mexican strap match, or a flag match, or whatever. It's just something they have to build up for. Then yeah, I get, I get it, but a wettest hair match. Oh God, that's not even fair for. Uh, Rusev, I mean, come on. Nobody has wetter hair than Roman Reigns. But I just, I couldn't, this was really the icing on the cake of the SummerSlam pay-per-view for me. Because it's like, all right, you know, the first half was, like you said, it was great. I mean, they had a lot of really good matches, the really good build-up and all that. And then the second half, it was like, meh, meh, you know, it could have been better. I wish I could say it could have been worse, but I really don't think it could have. Again, and the beatdown was impressive, and it looked good. Right, but, but it was stupid storyline-wise. Considering again, that they did the second, the second most important pay-per-view, and they pull this crap. I, I don't get it. and I, I think that uh, this really is going to lead to the main event of SummerSlam and a lot of people's disgust and disapproval of the SummerSlam Matt, uh, card itself, and that's the Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton match, a non-title match that main evented uh, SummerSlam, kind of like John Cena and The Rock at WrestleMania 28. But this match had a lot of hype. They were hyping it up as 14 years in the making, 
It's not like they've never done that before or anything. Oh, wait, that's oh, right. Wait, they did it with AJ Styles and, yeah. and John Cena a couple yeah. months ago, and I'm pretty sure they're going to do it a shitload more times. Like, oh, my God, we're going to have CM Punk versus uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin because we've never seen that before. But irregardless, this match was hyped up. It was the Beast versus the Viper. It was Suplex City versus Viperville. It was the F5 versus the RKO. Honestly, the match was pretty good. Yeah, it it it, it was fine. I, we got an F5, which I love. We got a couple RKOs, which I love. Randy Orton went through a t- uh, a table. Brock Lesnar went through a table. I think that the match was pretty good. Personally, as a wrestling fan, I was very disappointed in the outcome of the match. Strangely enough, like I would have Yes, they had kind of a clear winner of this match. I kind of like the ending because Brock Lesnar is like this badass who kicks people's butts. And you know what? He opened up Randy Orton and just freaking destroyed him. And I I like the fact that the dude, Randy Orton, ended up with ten staples in his head. And, you know, it was legit. It, it felt real. I like that aspect. I like when things feel real. Similar to The Miz and Daniel Bryan. That felt real. And, like, there were real emotions there. Seeing, you know, Randy Orton get an, opened up and him freaking oozing like a freaking oil tanker leak. And, you know, it, it, it was real. So real, in fact, that freaking Chris Jericho got in brock lesnar's face and was like going ballistic you know thinking that he was unprofessional and did something that he wasn't supposed to and the fact that brock lesnar asked chris jericho was going to fight him or kiss him during the fight was definitely epic and with that being said i'd like to bring up the fact that the jericho brock lesnar fight from backstage even though it wasn't scripted is bobby the brainless's mark out moment of the week that's right. After last week's ab- agreement on what the markout moment of the week, we finally disagree on a markout moment. I would have loved to have agreed with you on the Miz. Believe me, I would have loved to have agreed with you that the Miz, kind of like flipping his shit, flip out man on on Daniel Bryan, should have been my markout moment. If anybody's markout moment, but the fact that you stole my markout moment, I had to go with my plan B. So I went with the Jericho and Brock Lesnar altercation from backstage. I blame Michael Hayes for that, by the way. But nonetheless, Brock Lesnar won. He he busted Randy Orton open. There was a lot of controversy surrounding the outcome of that match between people in the locker room because it wasn't really said to a lot of people, and a lot of people took it the wrong way. Led to some confrontations, i.e. Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar having a confrontation. Kudos to Chris Jericho for the fact that he actually got into Brock Lesnar's face and was willing to fight him, and they were rolling around the ground like I did after Super Bowl 42 when Plaxico Burris caught the touchdown against Ellis Hobbs. And I, that's really that's really all I have for that. Horrible well, way for me to end that, but... Right. Right. I, I should probably quit drinking before these podcasts. 
Well, the the thing with this, it, it definitely seems, especially with what happened on SmackDown, there is unfinished business there. I think we're going to see Orton and Lesnar again, whether it's uh, Royal Rumble or whether it's going to be WrestleMania uh, in the coming year. That's going to happen again. They built, I think, pretty well towards that. But for me, the most impressive factor for this match, when it started, Brock Lesnar got the loudest cheering out of anybody at this show. By the end of this match, because of how realistic that beatdown was, the crowd was against him, and he became a heel. Whether or not that sticks and he continues to be a heel on uh, WWE, we'll see. But, like, he beat the snot out of Randy Orton, you know, and the crowd bought into it. He beat the blood out of him, too. Snot, blood. Uh, what? I, 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 hey, you know what? I'm wondering if Randy Orton pissed himself and shit himself. That's obviously possible. I'm pretty sure that if I got in the ring with Brock Lesnar, I would piss and shit myself, too. Uh, so, Jay, I, you know... So, I mean, that, that, that's the SummerSlam card. Uh, you know, we, we covered a lot of the things that happened between SmackDown and Raw after, as the fallout on that, but there were a few big things that did happen on Raw. Like, we had, uh, one of the biggest debuts, I think, with Bailey, who is now, uh, part of the main roster, uh is now, you know, full-time there. Yeah, I think that was awesome. You know, with Sasha Banks' injury, it really did open the door for Bailey to make her debut. You did bring up on the, our previous podcast last week that we're going to see Bailey soon enough, especially after her match with... Asuka. Asuka at... Thank Not you. Not Asuka. Whatever. Asuka. Asuka. Barf, puke, Whatever. At the uh, NXT TakeOver 2 at Brooklyn. And um, I think that it, it was good for uh, the, uh, it was good for uh, the WWE that they uh, they did this with her. She got over, she got an incredible pop, too. I was very happy to hear that. She went in the ring. She got into... With her uh, wacky weight inflatable tube men. And I think that it's... Well, I I mean, victorious I, against Dana Brooke too, by the way. Yeah, and you know I think they did a good job of making Bailey look strong in her debut. Uh, Nick Mick Foley really I think uh, brought forward like, hey, this is the biggest free agent signing we could have. So I, I think it was a good strong debut, and I think she looked good. I think sh she's gonna be a quick and soon contender against Charlotte for the women's title. My only problem with that whole thing with Mick Foley is that they called her a free agent. She's not a free agent. She was under contract with NXT. I would say, if anything, it was, an, it was a very good call-up from the minor leagues. It'd be like if, if well, one of the top prospects... It would be like when, you know, when the Yankees finally cut ties with A-Rod and they brought up some of the younger kids that were going to perform better than Alex Rodriguez... Obviously, it's a little bit different with Alex Rodriguez and Sasha Banks because Alex Rodriguez is 40-plus years old and Sasha Banks is 24. But the fact is, is that they called up Bailey to the active roster, and they made her, you know, it, it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was great what they did with her, but 
to say that she was a free agent was my only problem with the whole situation. The pop that she got before the match was awesome. She performed well against Dana Brooke in the match, and I think it's going to ultimately lead to her going up against Charlotte at the next pay-per-view for the women's title. All right, so I think what they tried to do with WWE Universe-wise, they tried to make NXT seem like a separate thing. So uh, it, it's kind of stupid. I think that the Internet's known enough where people know about NXT, they know who's in a NXT, and they know that NXT and WWE are more or less the same thing. For whatever reason, WWE themselves don't like to admit that this is part of, like, if you've signed a NXT, you're not on WWE. Like, Kevin Owens, he beat John Cena, quote-unquote, in his first match. He didn't beat him in his first match. He beat him in his first ro- match on Raw, so... There's a difference, but for whatever reason, WWE TV on USA, it's like they think of it as a completely different thing. So if that's their misguided thinking, whatever, we'll go with it. But, you know, Bailey going against Charlotte, I, I think it'll be good, and I think it's fine booking. Uh, eventually, I, I think what's going to end up happening is... Bailey or Sasha will have the WWE Women's Title going into WrestleMania, and it's going to be Bailey and Sasha at WrestleMania. Uh, but that's that's a little ways off. That's assuming everybody's healthy and everybody's fine. Uh, but really, uh, with Raw, the big thing that happened was because of the Finn Balor injury, they now have a tournament to, and they're going to quickly fill the uh, vacancy that he has for the WWE. Universal slash, uh, what's her name, Ava Marie title, <coughs> with that crappy-looking red belt. Uh, so what they did is they set up four different matches, and they're going to have Fatal 4-Way coming up, and whoever wins that Fatal 4-Way is going to win the title. And they, they had a, four very entertaining matches, uh, a couple of surprising outcomes. Uh, also... A couple of surprising people actually in the... Omitted. Yeah. A couple of surprising people uh, put in the tournament and a couple of people surprisingly omitted from the tournament. Uh, I was surprised. uh, Why didn't they use this as a platform to put Sheamus and Cesaro in a meaningful match as part of their best of seven series, but also then put them into the title picture? I think that they could have definitely put the two of them in there. I I feel like they were the two that kind of got snubbed. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament where it's like, all right, you have the 68 teams in, and they always talk about the guys that got snubbed out of the tournament. It's the same thing with those two. Those two were the two that got snubbed out of it. I'm happy that they gave Big Cass an opportunity in this tournament, and he was successful in his match against Rusev to qualify for the Fatal 4-Way next week on Raw to determine who the new Universal Champion is. But again, this does two things. It makes... Rusev seemed like even more less of a U.S. champion, uh, and Cass, who is a tag team performer, is now put into singles. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The thing about the whole fact that Rusev lost to Big Cass in their match to determine who was going to the Fatal Four was the fact that Rusev was hurt because of the fact that he got ambushed by Roman Reigns and got injured, and he had his ribs taped up, and he he got counted out. It's not like he got like destroyed in like 12 seconds against Big Cass. They had a pretty I mean, decent, he, he, decent he, he, length match it, and everything. It was a decent length ma- match with a, a couple of big dudes. 
and it played into the story that Roman Rusev. beat the crap out of him. But like, I mean, what what does this lead to? You 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 know, you got a, a bunch of different guys now in this fatal four way, and but you you make your secondary champion kind of look like a jobber. Yeah, he got beat up the night before, but again that. When he got his ass kicked the night before, it made him look like a jobber. Now he looks like a... Even bigger jobber. Bigger jobber, and he looked... I mean, yeah, he's a chicken shit heel, but like he literally walked out on the match. I think it's funny that two guys who were in the pre-show card were actually in this tournament to determine who the number one contender for... Or, you know, the, the, to determine the four spots for the new Universal Champion... Granted, they both ended up losing, but the fact that Sami Zayn, who I like, and I felt like he deserved it, went up against Seth Rollins and lost. It was a great match. It was a great match, too. Best match on Raw, probably. I I disagree. It was the second best match on Raw. And, you know, with Kevin Owens fighting Neville, it's like, you know, Neville would have had a better chance of beating Kevin Owens if he threw some uh, cookies his way. But obviously, Kevin Owens was just a lot better of a performer than Neville and was victorious so that he earned his spot in the fatal four-way to determine the new universal champion. And, of course, they had Roman Reigns going up against Chris Jericho. Well, and that's part of the story that they had going on. They had Jericho kind of help out Owens for Owens to win his match. Right. And then you had Owens come down during Jericho's match, but he just wasn't quite enough to help him overcome Roman Reigns and his wet hair. Roman Reigns! Well, I mean, again, I think... Badass ass kicker Roman Reigns is the best Roman Reigns. He doesn't need to talk a lot. Let him go out and do his thing. I think he's pretty good in the ring. He's not a great talker. Let him go out and kick ass. He he works better that way. And I thought he looked good in this match. I thought the match he had with Jericho was good. I thought the story they told that was good overall. Actually, from the entire show where you had, you know, Jericho helping out Owens and then Owens helping out Jericho and Jericho couldn't quite overcome. So that was good. Um, you know, who wins the Universal title is kind of interesting. I think there's zero chance the big cast is going to be the new champion. And you can't teach that. And I think there's... A little bit of a shot that Roman Reigns wins. I think it's one of the heels. It's going to be Owens or it's going to be uh, Rollins that wins this match. It's one of those two. I think what's going to ultimately happen is that Big Cass, is. I think it's just good for him to get the exposure in a match like this. It's really to, to prove to the WWE in the future that he is capable of having a successful singles run as a competitor. I... Um, I agree with you. I think he has the long. He's the longest shot on the board. I think ultimately one of the two heels will win it. I think Roman Reigns and Rusev is definitely not going to be. It's not over. And I also think that Rusev will be the man responsible for Roman Reigns not winning the Universal Title. My heart tells me that Kevin Owens is going to walk out as the new Universal Champion, but my head tells me that it's going to end up being Seth Rollins, just because. Why the fuck not? Uh, I'm going to go like. 66.2% chance of Seth Rollins winning the championship. What do you think you are, Scott Steiner? Maybe. 
But you, uh, you, you might want to start buying some steroids then. But I, I think there's more of a chance that Rollins wins versus Owens. But I would say Owens is dark horse. I give the faces zero shot of winning this. So I think they're going to put on an entertaining match, and we'll see which way they go. I think, uh, again, Owens would be a new era pick, and that should be interesting. So, And I'd also like to bring up that there was one other match on the card, and I'm I'm horrible over the fact that I don't remember who was the other guy in the match. But you were talking about how Seth Rollins was the best match of the night. I disagree. I I am just happy that my buddy Braun Strowman made his return to Raw after a one-week hiatus and was obviously victorious because the whole him being the monster that he is going up against these jobbers is just fantastic. And... Um, I was glad Any Braun Strowman match uh, is a, a welcome thing. I thought honestly that uh, it would have been in, it would have been a uh, good fun for the pre-show if they put put uh, Braun Strowman in a match uh, against some dude. Actually, it would have kind of been. They were in Brooklyn. They should have brought out the Brooklyn Brawler to go against Braun Strowman in the pre-show and have him absolutely destroy that dude because. I mean, Brawler, you know, got future endeavored not that long ago. But I think, uh, you know, I would imagine that there's not a lot of hard feelings. Dude had a, a good long career with WWE. I'm sure he would have been happy to do the honors and, you know, take a squash match and take the three count. He took squash matches all the time. But, uh, yeah, Braun Strowman uh, squashing a dude like a bug. Like a spider. I I'm still hoping for him to have his match against the uh, the Man Scout. I know I've been I've been talking about that a lot. For it's uh, coming. By the way, his opponent from this past week on Raw was Johnny Knockout. Johnny got knocked out. So Mama said, "Knock you out." Uh, so I mean that was Raw again. Uh, pretty eventful storyline wise because of the uh unexpected injury to Balor. Uh. So there was a little bit of fallout from that. Uh, so, you know, we've got that, and now we've got a storyline moving forward. But, you know, then they had SmackDown, which, again, had a lot of stuff going on. SmackDown without a women's champion, without tag team champions. They introduced those belts now. Those belts look far better than what we saw on Raw with, you know, the universal title and what have you i know it's the red band brand and the new blue brand but like the tag team championships that they have for smackdown looks so much better than the penny belts that they have on raw see i'm kind of like biased towards the smackdown championships just because blue is my favorite color so obviously i'm going to feel like the women's championship on smackdown is better than the raw one and i'm also going to think that the tag team titles are better than the one on the raw I just blues is my favorite color, and well, it it does look. I, I agree with you. So much it does look a lot better. It does look the tag team titles look a little bit better. I don't like the plates. Never been a big fan of the new plates that they put on the tag team championships. But that women's title looks badass. It does, and I'm I'm a little surprised that Heath Slater was not put into the women's match to determine the new women's champion 
They're going to have a six-woman's match. TNA did that a couple of years ago with Eric Young, so... Who was, the other, who was the other guy that did it? I, I actually bought one of their pay-per-views, and uh, I, for, I forget his was name. Was David Arquette? No, wait. No, fuck that guy. I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember. He was, with old, he was with Old Dirty Bitch. Old Dirty Bastard. No. Eric old, Young. No, it was ODB and somebody else. It wasn't Eric Young. I know who Eric Young is. Eric it was, Young was, it was like this. ODB. It was this like redneck hillbilly guy who... Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, he was like was, my I size. I think his name was Jesse. I don't think it was Jesse. I think it was. I'll have to, I'll have to get you Mark's name for that I, later. If you all know, please I, I, please tweet I at us. Remember him. If okay. if you do remember who it was, please tweet at us at f underscore n marks on Twitter and let me know if, what it is. I you know I am man enough to admit that I'm wrong, and believe me, I am willing to admit that I'm wrong, and I just forgot. But they are having a six women's match to determine the new women's champion between the six girls that were in the six-woman tag match from SummerSlam. Recapping, that's Alexa Bliss, Natty Neidhart, Nikki Bella, Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Naomi. It's going to be an interesting match. I think that they're all very talented. I like the women's division on SmackDown more than I like the women's division on Raw, even with the addition of Bayley this past week on, on Raw. I, I think that's going to be an interesting match. They also did a tournament to determine who is going to be the new tag team champions on SmackDown, where they're going to have eight teams. Initially, it was going to be six teams, but Heath Slater kind of got himself put into the tournament. They told him that he has a chance to be in the tournament as long as he goes into the back and finds a tag team partner. And if he wins the tournament with his tag team partner, he gets a contract for, for SmackDown. I don't know if I'm not paying attention to WWE TV. I don't know if it's because he didn't sign on dotted line. I thought it was uh, the other week he went against Orton, and if he won the match, he got a contract with SmackDown. He won the match by disqualification. Oh, you missed that part then. You must have missed the part where he was in the back. In the, I know in the he trainers got turned room. it off. He, <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> he was in the trainer's room, and... And Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon were back in the trainer's room with him, and they were trying to get him to sign a contract. And because of the beatdown that he received from Orton, he was delusional, incoherent, and had no idea what the hell was going on. He was calling Shane Stephanie. He had no idea that they were trying to sign him to a contract. And because of the fact that he had no idea who he was, where he was, what was going on, they pulled the contract away from him. All right. So, apparently, I I missed that part. And Uh, so... Basically, uh, you know, they had this uh, the start of a tag team tournament, uh, which will end up being eight teams. You had a couple of matches uh, qualifying for, you know, the later rounds, eight teams. So, you, you know, this was starting off with the uh, quarterfinals. You ended up having the Usos defeating the Ascension. So right now, the Usos still playing the babyface role for now defeating uh, the the heels, the Ascension. Again, I think this is leading to Usos versus Alpha, uh, American Alpha in the finals. But, you know, as expected for the tournament they set up. I'm going to say this, and you can take this for what it's worth, and the people who listen to this podcast can take this for what it's worth. You and I, as a tag team, could beat the Ascension. There. I said it. 
I have no regrets about saying it, but I said it. The Ascension has been booked terribly since they joined the WWE main roster from NXT, even though they're the longest reigning tag team champions in NXT history. They got buried by the Usos. Obviously, that was going to happen. Like I, like you well, said, I, I wouldn't like, say like, buried, like, but I, they I, lost. They lost, buried, whatever. I mean, obviously the Usos don't have a golden shovel like John Cena or Triple H have, but irregardless, they were victorious. They move on to the second round of the uh, tag team tournament. Also moving on in the second round of the tag team tournament, American Alpha beat the team. Beat the team of Brizango. A little bit surprised, uh, I thought. Well, I mean, I think Brizango. Uh, I think they have a future. I think it's going to take a little while for them to develop. They are tailor-made heels. I think both of them uh, are. They play the arrogant heel perfectly. Uh, I, I think you know the little touches like them having the you know the selfie stick and you know having the fur selfie stick and the fur boots and all that stuff. Very annoying stuff. Awesome. Oh, I agree. Both fine in the ring, but right now is not their time. Their time will come. They just need a little bit of time to develop the persona and really to get over with the audience. You know, the the right choice was made. They made they've made a big deal out of picking American Alpha, bringing American Alpha up, American Alpha winning I, again. I see this as a more or less two-team tournament. It's going to be Usos and American Alpha both went through this week, and that's going to lead to four more teams uh, coming up in next week, and then eventually at the pay-per-view in a couple of weeks, that's when we're going to crown our new tag team champions. I wanted to bring up the uh, the four teams that are going to be still competing. Um the fact that it's going to be Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder, a.k.a. The Hype Brothers. The Hype Brothers will be going up against the Vaude Villains, whether they're going to be woo-woo-wooing it or if they're going to be coming from the bygone period. I, I, it should be an entertaining match nonetheless. I, I, I'm pretty sure that we're, we're going to see the Hype Brothers win that. I think it's going to be the Vaude Villains. Nothing against Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh. They're starting to become one of my favorite tag teams in the WWE now which there is a spot open because of the departure of Bubba Ray and Devon. But I think the Vaude Villains take this one over uh, the Hype Brothers. All right, and, and then we have the uh, the team of Heath Slater and Rhino, which Rhino, who spared Spear... Uh, I'm sorry. Gord! The hell out of Heath Slater the other week. Uh Decided that he was okay with becoming part of a team with Heath Slater. I don't know if it's because he wants to have Heath Slater and his kids have a very nice above-ground pool. Maybe I don't he's, know. Maybe he's trying to get votes from the people in the state of Michigan, because I know that he's running for a political office in Michigan. He is. So maybe he's trying to just earn, like, oh, maybe if I team up with Heath Slater and me and him win the tag team titles, maybe that can help us get some freaking some votes in uh, Michigan. Well, I mean, again, Heath Slater, entertaining dude. Uh, you know, he's been at the bottom of the card for a while. And I don't foresee them getting very far. You know, maybe they win a match, but... Did you hear who their opponents are going to be? Uh, rumor has it who their opponents are going to be in the first round. I've heard supposedly there's a team from... 
somewhat bygone era coming back. From the Attitude Era? Perhaps? Allegedly. Is it the Headbangers? Allegedly. Oh my God. I'll tell you right now. I know that I named my markout moment for this week. But, if it's Mosh and Thrasher going up against Heath Slater and Rhino on Tuesday, you can pretty much etch in stone that the Headbangers return to Monday, or I'm sorry, to Tuesday Night SmackDown. Don't give me that look. Will be Bobby the Brainless's markout moment of the week. I fucking loved the Headbangers. I have their action figures in my room. I loved Mosh. I loved Thrasher. They had such a badass entrance. They just wore attires that really, they just didn't give a shit what anybody thought of them. With the skirts and the freaking, and the ripped up t-shirts of, of, of those heavy metal bands. And they had the face paint and the bald heads and the piercings and the tattoos. The guys were great. I loved them. They were one of my favorite tag teams. They were, to me, what the Dudley Boys were before the Dudley Boys got there. They, that is the headbangers for me. I really do hope I get to see them. Even if it's for a one-night gig, I'm just really excited about the fact that the headbangers potentially are going to be the opponents for Rhino and Heath Slater. Uh, should be interesting. Again, it's quote-unquote the new era. Uh, it, it'll be Heath Slater and Rhino going over. Can I can I make a bold prediction right now, or should I just wait till next week? Do it now. My prediction for the tag team tournament for SmackDown for the first ever SmackDown tag team Spit champions: Heat Slater and Rhino will win the tournament. All right, that's that's my long shot. Eighty-five to one in the Kentucky Derby pays a good amount of money type of deal. I'm calling it right now. Heath Slater and Rhino are going to win that. Heath Slater is going to. What are you trying to say? Uh, I'm I'm trying to say you're picking out of your ass right now, but. What the hell is that going to do with Michelle? She did that at the Kentucky Derby. And she won. She won. Okay. Fair enough. I, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but that's okay. Right. 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 Are you right? Right. Right. Bing! All right, so uh, we, we had a, a match to establish who is going to uh, go against Dean Ambrose uh, in the SmackDown pay-per-view coming up in a couple of weeks. We uh, Basically, AJ Styles was already in the match. Shane McMahon came out and said, hey, look, you're already in the match. Dolph Ziggler and... Uh, AJ Styles had a little bit of a beef going on. They were beating each other up throughout the show. Uh, Shane more or less said, all right, you guys are going to have a match against each other. If Dolph wins, you Dolph will be part of a triple threat at the next pay-per-view. Well, you know what? They had a really good match, much better than what I the uh, Ambrose and Ziggler match at SummerSlam. Uh, but in the end, uh, AJ Styles, again, going over clean, going over strong, and, you know, heading, I think, towards his first uh, WWE championship reign. I thought it was great that the fact that they had Dean Ambrose on broadcast for said match to determine who was going to be the contender. It looked like no matter what was going to happen, AJ Styles was going to be in that match. If he had won, obviously, it was going to be a two, you know, a one-on-one match for the title, and obviously if, if Dolph Ziggler had won, it would have been a triple threat match. But the fact that 
Dean Ambrose was backstage wearing a Mohegan Sun shirt. It really did kind of tug at the heart. I actually, that was the first time since I moved to Virginia that I felt homesick, that I saw Dean Ambrose, my boy, wearing the Mohegan Sun shirt, a casino that I used to frequent quite a bit as when I was a young lad and donated thousands and thousands of dollars to the Mohegan Sun Fund. But, like you said, it was a great match. AJ Styles won clean. Dolph Ziggler kind of took to heart AJ Styles going backstage before uh, SmackDown even started. After, you know, AJ Styles was talking all the shit that he was talking. I beat John Cena, blah, 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 blah. I deserve a shot. And, and Dolph got pissed off, and he attacked him in the locker room. He attacked him when AJ Styles interrupted during the women's and tag team title introductions where they were announcing what was going to happen with the titles which set up for the two of them main eventing on SmackDown to determine who was going to fight Dean Ambrose. Pretty good match. Obviously, I didn't expect any differently from either one of them. AJ Styles is one of the better in-ring performers. Can't say enough good things about Dolph Ziggler as well. I'm glad that AJ Styles went over clean. It's going to really set up for him and Dean Ambrose at the pay-per-view. I think he ultimately will beat Dean Ambrose for the championship. I think that they're going to wait at least another pay-per-view. Let them get that first one to see how they perform in the ring. Whatever the pay-per-view is going to be called in October, whether it's Halloween Havoc or some other stupid thing like Bad Hell Blood or Hell in a Cell, No Holds Barred, uh, Oktoberfest, whatever the hell they're going to call it. Well, and there there was one other thing that happened on SmackDown that the, uh, was interesting when Orton came out to talk about his match against uh, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. We now have jump-started the uh, feud against Bray Wyatt, Orton and uh, Bray Wyatt, which uh, Bray has come out on the losing end of a lot of feuds. Uh, now he apparently is going to be feuding against Orton. The dude needs to win a feud. I think it's very interesting that he is no longer with Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, or my favorite Raw superstar, Braun Strowman. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles himself as just kind of like a lone wolf type of thing, kind of like that douchebag that won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal this year. I'm interested to see what happens. It's also going to be interesting to see if Randy Orton loses at back-to-back pay-per-views, if that's what ends up happening. It's going to, If it ends up being him and Bray Wyatt at Backlash. I don't, I don't remember what Backlash, Battleground, some kind of pay-per-view that begins with the letter B that happens the same Sunday as the first Sunday of the NFL season. Bad idea, WWE. I, I'm not going to go there. But, I mean... Come on! You, you know what? For Bray Wyatt, this is a good high-profile match, and it will help raise his profile overall. But he needs to win one of these. You know, when he had his feud with Cena a couple of years ago, he won one match, and that one match was such a freaking, like, he had help from both the the guys in the Wyatt family, and then he had a kid singing to John Cena. That, He's got the whole world That was the only, only thing that he won. It He's was stupid. He looked like world. such a freaking jobber in that feud in everything that he's done. The only person that he beat was Jericho, and 
you know, at the end of that, he didn't feel like a bigger deal after he beat Jericho. That's because Jericho lost to Fandango. Come on, really? Seriously, think you about that. What about? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And that's and that's too bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. Too much weight. When they on had that. that feud with the Shield, who went hey, over? Wait, 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 wait. Can you tell me which NXT superstar Chris Jericho lost to? And what? When NXT used to be a reality show, who did he lose to? If you could answer me that, then I will agree with you. By the way, we've talked about this person today. I, I, I know, I know, we did. Because you're know, taking so long, I'm on. going to say that you don't know who it is. Hold on, he lost to Heath Slater. He lost to Heath Slater. Do you see this? Does this not look like an empty bottle of Colt 45? The unofficial beverage of the fucking Marks podcast. Just because you lose does not mean you didn't that even you're give not me enough, over. You didn't even. You did not even give me enough chance to even think about it. You know how many. You, you know how hard. Need to think about know, it. Do you know how hard it is to break through this freaking layer of malted hops and bong resin? Do you understand? Do you really understand, there, Jay? I don't think you understand. Have a drink. Have a drink. So, you know, anyways, like, with uh, Jericho, you know, he has a, a penchant for, you know, doing the honors for people. And I think this particular run, he... He actually won really, a lot more he, matches. He's been doing... He's been winning more matches. He's been winning more high-profile matches, uh, i.e. SummerSlam, i.e. WrestleMania. Yeah, he definitely shocked the world by beating AJ Styles at WrestleMania. And I, I've, I'm still to this point. I've been, I can stand on the, the tallest building or the highest mountain and scream that the fact that it should have been John Cena versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. But we're never going to know because of the fact that Cena was injured for WrestleMania. So obviously they needed to bring in somebody. They had a great match. Obviously we're getting off topic again. But but uh, you, you know, just in general, the topic of Jericho, Jericho. Uh, I think always tries to do what's right for business. So he's, a, he's a constant professional. A, a, exactly. I, lo- I, I love think the guy. That explains to me the Fondango thing. Uh, that explains to me the Heath Slater thing because when he lost to him at NXT, if you read like his last book, he talked about how he was pissed off that he had to lose to Heath Slater. He went to Vince McMahon and said, I shouldn't be losing to this guy. And Vince went up to him, well, you're a heel. Nobody's going to remember this in two weeks. I mean, I remember this because I read the book, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he did lose to Heath Slater. But in general, if I didn't read the book, I wouldn't have remembered that he lost to Heath Slater. That was a bullshit question I asked you. You're just trying to make me look bad, you son of a bitch. Absolutely. All right, so before we completely get off track and start ADHDing uh, and hey, riding hey, bikes you and know flying what, kites and all been that off shit, the rails for a while. I, I blame it on sleep deprivation and alcohol blame it on the consumption. Rain. Yeah, blame it on the rain. Um, one thing that did happen this week was the last day of the second round of the Cruiserweight Classic. I, you know, I've been extremely impressed with every matchup that I've seen during this Cruiserweight Classic. There have been some There's that were really good. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah I, but all in all, this tournament has been fantastic. 
one of the best things WWE, second best thing outside of NXT once NXT like kind of evolved from FCW, this is probably the second best thing they've kind of come up with. Bullshit. As far as that goes. No, no. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. This Cruiserweight Classic is third. What's second is what they did with NXT. The greatest thing that they've ever done in the WWE was come up with the gimmick for Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Nobody Does your brain hurt him. right now? Does your brain hurt? Nobody remembers Duke the Dumpster Drossy but you. Fuck you! Everybody remembers who Duke the Dumpster Drossy is. People remember Oscar the Grouch. And Duke the Dumpster Drossy picked up his garbage can and showed them in a freaking garbage truck and drove them to the dump. And that's that. Anyway... It doesn't matter. All that matters is that Duke the Dumpster Drossy is the greatest gimmick of all time. Sure. Right. Am I right? You, you, you don't even you don't even believe that bull crap. No, I really don't. He's like 30, the under, the, he's the like thirty sixth on my list. Undertaker, greatest gimmick ever. False. True. False. True. Bray Wyatt. True. Bray Wyatt. False. Bray Wyatt. False. Bray Wyatt. False. Bray Wyatt. False. Bray Wyatt. So. Uh, <laughs> since, since it's apparent that uh, we're we're not going to solve this one anytime soon because uh, th- uh, that uh, answer won't come for many years down the road because Undertaker has had a far longer run than Bray Wyatt, first ballot Hall of Famer. Undertaker, yes. Uh, so uh, getting back to the subject, Cruiserweight Classic. We actually had three really good matches this week. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Drew Gulak. Uh, for me, I, I I enjoyed this match the most. Both of them, like, I mean, technicians, you know, to the nines, you know, moves and counters I've probably never seen before. And I'm sure they do this all the time on the indie scene, but, like, seeing it live, in person, on camera, you're like, all right, all right, uh, I get it now. Similar to Jack Gallagher, but, like, these guys, they just think and do things differently. Great stuff. I was very impressed with the performance by Zack Sabre in this thing. I didn't like the fact that uh, Yanni Gogoluk, the bad guy from uh, the whole nine yards, lost and then just tried to not shake hands with Zack Sabre at the end of this match. And he was a I, it, punk. He was a, he was a piece of shit. Let's be serious. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. He's a piece of shit. But Zack Saber is one of those guys that really has impressed me in the first two matches that he's had in this tournament. I really hope, and I really really hope from the bottom of my heart that Zack Saber does get signed by the WWE, whether he starts out in NXT or he ends up right on the main roster in the cruiserweight division. I think he is an incredible addition to the roster, no matter what roster he's on. I hope he's... Well, he'll he's, be on Raw because he's a cruiserweight. He's already but, been labeled but that. There, there has been talk of him actually starting out in NXT, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. There is a lot no. of talent down there, but either and they way... don't waste your time on NXT. It's not right. like Raw where they could put him on and it'll be a throwaway. Not the cruiserweight division, but in, nonetheless, yeah. I'm, I really do hope that Zack Sabre does end up on the main... Uh, and as an employee of the WWE, whether it's through NXT or the WWE, I he's really impressed me. There's been a couple of guys that have really impressed me in this thing. He is definitely one of them. And obviously... 
Well, I mean, we, we, we've already got, like, Johnny Gargano, who is in this tournament, and he was in a match this week. Uh, you know, so we've got uh, Gargano, who actually went over this week, and he went against TJ Perkins. You know, I think Gargano is a guy who possibly could win this week or, or win this whole thing. You know, the the guys that um, we know of that are uh, in WWE um, – what? Uh, Johnny Gargano lost this week. You sure? I bet my mother's life, my nephew's life, my left nut, and $36 that Johnny Gargano lost this week to TJ Perkins. Okay. Why do I remember? Maybe I haven't got enough sleep this week. Oh, so you're going to make fun of me for the fact that I'm sleep deprived and I'm alcohol. I'm you have. I. Good for you. I'm glad that you were we're having a pissing contest again. You know what? You know, after this podcast, we are going to go in the bathroom and see which one of us pisses better than the other one. No homo. And I just wanted to be put out there that Johnny Gargano did lose to TJ Perkins. And TJ Perkins has been another guy that has been very impressive to me during this tournament. He looked really good against Johnny Gargano. They had a great match this week. Johnny Gargano, you know what? You say what you will about how Finn Balor had an incredible match considering the fact that he had to pop his shoulder back into place. Johnny Gargano wrestled with a bad knee that he suffered oh, yeah, yeah, during yeah, yeah, yeah. the... The fog is lifting now. That, uh, oh, we've, yeah, we've, they, we've they, got, they, we've, they... we finally broke through the uh, the wall of malted hops to finally get to uh, you yeah, remembering they, what they, happened. They... They I mean, worked the knee, and he put the knee bar on, and he tapped the, out. The, the whole, like, even with him running on the apron outside of the ring and doing that flip on yeah. T.J. Perkins, like, even I marked out on that one. They they told a, a, a great story. A, again, the fog is now lifted. I remember now that, like, he had the knee problem, yep. and he kept on doing stuff where they're like, why is he doing that? And, you know, he was putting in the offense he normally did, but it was – you know, to the detriment of his own body. And Daniel Bryan was definitely sounding like a Boston Red Sox announcer where he just kept on bringing up the same shit over and over and over again and then the exact opposite of what he was hoping actually happened. Thank you, Dennis Eckersley and Dave O'Brien, regardless. But, you know, they either way, they had a great match. I thought that the two of them were very, very entertaining in the ring. I was very impressed with TJ Perkins. He's a guy that's really won me over. The first two weeks, or the first two rounds that he's been a part of during this tournament. Very gifted, talented individual. Love to see him in the WWE. I heard a rumor that he's one of the four guys that have actually signed out of this tournament to be part of the Cruiserweight division on Monday Night Raw. I think that's a great addition to him. A great addition of having him on the roster. I think the sky is the limit for him. He was the youngest superstar to be performing at New Japan when he was there at the age of 18. So obviously, if they feel very highly about him, WWE should feel the same way about him. All right, so uh, we, we have Perkins, who's uh, moved on in the tournament, and then we had uh, Rich Swan, who I still think is kind of uh, his character, or at least his dance moves, are the love child of Too Cold Scorpio and... Uh, das Wonderkin, Alex Wright. Ooh, Flash Funk. And he went 
against uh, Lindsay Dorado. They, they had a really good match. Uh, lots of high-flying stuff. Good pace on it. And no strangers to each other either, by the way. They wrestled no. against each other a lot quite a bit the in the independent circuit. And I think that's that was great. I think that really helped the two of them have a fantastic match. So I, many counters to, like, yeah. each move. Oh, this was, of all the days, like, they've had some really great matches. I know that you've been talking about Gargano and Ciampa having such a great match in the first round. Still my favorite, but... But for, like, a day that they've had during this tournament, this day might actually steal it because it was three tremendous matches. Everybody who who won deserved to win, and each match that they were part of was an exceptional match. Very, very, Told very the good. Story. And it, it, the story was great. You know, the T.J. Perkins story was good. The uh, the Rich Swan story really tugged at your heart a little bit. The Zack Saber, same thing. Really good story. I re- I I think that they're very they're three very talented individuals. Two of them are definitely under are actually in consideration or already under contract with the WWE. Third guy, hopefully, will work out in the end. Really excited about how the Elite Eight of this tournament is going to turn out. There's a lot of talented guys in this. It's going to be interesting to see how those guys, you know, go up against each other with the other five competitors that are still in this tournament and who ultimately wins this tournament. Well, we'll we'll see what happens uh, going forward with the uh, different uh, guys that they have. I, I forget what which matches that we have uh, this coming week. Are they done the semifinals yet? I think the finals are in two weeks. Yes. No, no, three and weeks. And uh, they've got an interesting trophy, uh, you know, because there was a, a little bit of question of if the winner of this tournament was going to be the new Cruiserweight champion on Monday Night Raw. Uh, they're going to just win a trophy, uh, and we'll see what happens as far as what they do with the Cruiserweight division on Raw. So. They've at least kind of answered that question. I found uh, it interesting, speaking of the trophy, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you or anything, but I found it very interesting that they had the guys from Orange County Choppers, I think it was, are the ones that actually designed and made the trophy for the Cruiserweight Classic champion. That trophy looks pretty badass. I would love to win a trophy like that. It's not the number one trophy in the WWE I would love to win, but we'll get into that another time. But I, I'm excited for the the last seven matches that are going to be part of this tournament with the last eight guys still in it. Interested to see who ends up ultimately on top. I think it's anybody's ball game at this point. There are some guys who have a better chance than others, but I think that it's still pretty wide open with the last eight guys in this tournament. Well, I, I think the odds-on favorite is still Ibushi, and I think Ibushi is purposely holding out on WWE to... Uh, so he could kind of imp- he's improving his uh, negotiating position by holding out on them and oh so he's we're going to wait until the very end to decide whether or not he's going to be a full time WWE guy if he signs with WWE he is going to win this tournament if he doesn't Without sign with question. this if he doesn't sign there are a few guys that I think can come away with it, whether it's T.J. Perkins, whether it's Zack Sabre Jr. Or Rich Swan, Right. Yeah. So so basically, Ibushi's pulling a Joe Flacco. Obviously. Right. 
Speaking speaking of uh, Joe Flacco, I don't know what kind of a segue this is. I'll blame this also on the on the alcohol. Well, you know, there's a guy with uh, I think his real name is actually Joe. I think his name is Joe Hennig. Joe Joe Swanson. Joe Hed- Hennig. And today, speaking of Joe Hennig, the son of WWE Hall of Famer Mr. Perfect, also known as. Curtis Axel, today, August 28, 2016, Curtis Axel, for 580 days, is still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. And on that note, uh, I'm Bobby the Brainless. I'm Ja Rule. Thank you for listening. And live long and prosper.